Thanks for tuning into Power Athlete Radio. While longtime friend of the show, Robbie Wolf discusses fruit flies, the carnivore diet, and fasting, he never loses sight of the big picture. In a nutrition world of extremes, one thing is for certain. We're all going to die someday. Or are we? John and Rob exchange perspectives on slowing the aging process and how best to achieve that through diet. They also speak fondly of contemporary the Kraken, a.k.a. Matt Lalonde. And Rob talks about how he's utilized the Power Athlete methodology for over 10 years in training for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Rob toots our horn. We toot Rob's horn. There's a lot of horn tooting going on. This is episode 294. Music blasting in my ear. What is up? What is up? I thought we were doing what's happening. Hey, what? Peter. What's happening? <laughs> hey, we can do whatever we want. Can you know beach? why? Because it's you and me. Yeah. Uh, Party the, Pooper's not here? No, the blister's not here. Uh, well, he'll, once all the work is done, I'm sure he'll walk right in. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, I was at the NSCA deal, and, uh, you know, I just heard you got done with the podcast, so I just showed up. Yep, yeah. that standard blister. <laughs> just digging the ninth out of nine post holes. <laughs> last dig, and then here comes text rolling up. What are you guys doing? Oh, digging post holes, huh? It's Can I help? It no, it's all over. Well, uh, I'll just give you an example of what I accused him of. So uh, <laughs> I'm laying there in bed. Uh, my alarm goes off at 530. Uh-oh. It's like so this five, is going, five, this 519, 520. This is going live? Yeah. This is going oh, yeah. I'm going, okay. going with it. Strap yourself and, uh, in, people. Uh, I look over and my phone's ringing and I'm like, it's, it's a different sound than my alarm. I kind of look at it and I'm just kind of laying there, just kind of wasting, you know, just basically doing what everybody does, like waiting for their alarm clock. And I know I got to get up and I ring it and it's text. I'm like, hello. He's like, I ran out of gas and uh, I got to get to the airport. Can you pick me up? And I was like, yes. So I get in, I jump in my clothes, get in the truck. Um, I get there by like f- 537. So I think it was like 524. He like, I, I got out of the house by the time he called me, everything yeah, we faster got faster than a medevac. Yeah. So basically. I fucking get there. I'm coming up on him. He's on the wrong side of the road going away from the airport. I have to pull a U-turn and I'm like, he's like, ah, the car, you know, I, I ran out of gas. Uh, I was like, you, I, I gave you a gas can. You should have extra gas. He's like, ah, oh, yeah, I put it in. It didn't start. And I was like, oh, I must have lost prime. And uh, I was like, get in. So I fucking basically throw a U-turn, hightail it out there. I get him there at like 6.15. Now, mind you, uh, I drive fast. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I kick ass. I get us there. I have like GPS, shortest route, and get him there at 6.15. And so he calls me, and he's like, gives me uh, his keys, and is like, hey, can you make sure to get my truck? I'm like... No problem. I'll get your truck. So we end up going to get him some gas, get in the truck home. Everything's fine. Calls me. Hey, did you get the truck? I'm like, of course I get the truck. Didn't you ask me to get the truck? I'll get your truck. And I'm like, but I got a question for you. Did you really run out of gas or did you intentionally do it? Because there's no <laughs> fucking way you would have made it to the airport because you would have had to mosey up, fill that truck up, and then you would have had to mosey to the airport, park and get to the gate. There's no fucking way you would have yeah. made that flight. Did you fake running out of gas? pull over and call me, wake me up and know that I'm going to get you there on time because I don't fucking get to the airport and late. what do he say? He's like, oh, story checks out. I'm like, no, you're not that deviant. No, not at all. And you know, as I was, as you're telling this story here, both Spanton and I are like, you know, because he's never going to live this down. Like, oh, yeah. this is especially that you had to go get him. Like, you will, you will fucking clear, bring this one back to life and we'll jump right back in. Like, we love it. But we're surprised he didn't call us. 
but he probably was thinking, who's the one person in Texas that can get me to the airport in 11 minutes? <laughs> it takes 40 minutes to get you there. I'll get you there in 10. Yeah. So I was like, so it totally makes sense now. Cause I'm, I gotta tell you, man, the most impressive one was that one trip out to North Carolina where like, we're like, Oh fuck. We're, we're supposed to be boarding now. You remember that? <laughs> yeah, and yeah. like, dude, it was just like fast and furious scene that drifting around the corners of Tokyo, the, just like crowd parting ways, like yeah. splitting the seas. And we just roll up to valet, throw the keys up in the air. The guy catches it, knows exactly what to do. And we just fucking bolt and made it. I can't believe we yeah. made that one, man. Yeah. So that makes sense why he would have called you. Cause you are the fucking I, the wolf. I dude, I can just navigate quickly. And, uh, but yeah, he, he, he's not that deviant, but I called him out on it because I was like, did you know you weren't going to get to the airport and you thought there's only one way I'm getting to the fucking airport on time. And if it's fucking John's got to pick me up. He was like, no, uh, story checks out. I'm like, nah. Maybe it's his subconscious. Maybe his subconscious is finally flourishing and like, <laughs> Tex, you're never going to fucking make it, man. Just run out of gas. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, my okay. comment was uh, typical Bob Wellborn. I was like, how come you didn't fill up the night before? Yeah, of course. But that was all of our question. Like, yeah. that's everyone asked, well, why didn't you just fill up the night before? What do you say? Uh, he wasn't thinking about it because he was so focused yes, on, I believe, I do believe that, on, on his talk that he just figured out. And I, I will historically say it never works out. If you have to get gas in the morning, it never works out in the grand scheme. Like either mm-hmm. like because I've pulled up and had the pumps empty. And I've mm-hmm, also had the mm-hmm. pumps blocked Yeah, yeah. where like all of a sudden now you're like, Hey man, I was budgeting X amount of time to get to the airport and now there's no fucking diesel here because yeah, yeah. there's usually only one diesel uh, pump. So like it, uh, that's like one of those things the night before I always make sure I've guessed. The last time I made that mistake, it was me and I, I think it was Callie. We were going to the games in the van and we, uh, every fucking gas station in Orange County the diesel came out so fucking slow. It was like five in the morning. It was like, you know, like a penny at a time. Yeah. And we're, we finally found a gas station attendant. Like, what's going on here? And he's like, oh, the humidity slows the gas down. I'm like, I don't know if that's a true story, but like every fucking diesel pump was coming out just crawling. So it took us 40 fucking minutes to like get a half tank of gas. Yeah. It's crazy. So lesson learned, people. Yeah. Uh, fill up your tank before you go on your trip the next morning. Yeah. So Tex isn't here. That's the reason. Thank God I got him there because mm-hmm. uh, he would have missed his talk, but hopefully he does well. But so. since Tex isn't here, we don't really have a show plan. So thanks for listening. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, what we don't have is we have a lot of humor. We don't have a lot of like awkward pauses with pre-planned questions that are ultra specific that really just derail our fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, we're going to go. We're just going live. Hey, uh, or John, could we just call a friend of yours and see if we can get him on the podcast? Yeah. Uh, see, hold on. Hang on. L- text Rob Wolf. Wolf. Text Rob Wolf. See if he's available. Okay. Hold on. And while John's texting him, ladies and gentlemen, are you aware that we have launched a new training program, Lean and Able? Five days a week, you're going to get some full body workouts. We got a cardio day in there. Basically, we created a program. John was tasked with creating a program for someone who's not quite ready for a full steam dedicated strength conditioning program like field strong bedrock grindstone i think the way you refer to it is just the tip just the tip is really like just to see how it feels just to get in yeah and it's it's for a lot of our people who following the program they're like hey i want my brother i want my wife i want uh i want my husband to follow this shit but he just thinks that jack street's too much or field strong's too much or even grindstone's too much that is why we put this lean enable program together it's, it's fuck. I think it's fun. So yeah. it does not thought it was fun. It's 40, 50 minute sessions. You get in, it's full body. It's all primal. Maybe not even, I mean, the overload, the stuff I did today got me done in 35. Yeah. It's, it, it is built off all the same principles that make all of our other programming as great as it is. Power slash lean and able. And then another 
announcement with programming, Johnny Wad. Mm. Johnny Wad is not AKA? giving you the tip. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Johnny Wad is oh, it's giving it to you right in the face. Uh, Johnny Wad is going to don the mask of Johnny Football coming up here at, for the 10 year anniversary of CrossFit Football. We're going back and I'm pulling out the 100 original CrossFit Football. Whoa, workouts. whoa you can't say that. Call, let's call it CrossFit. Football. Oh, well, I'd just go with Johnny Football. Ross Fit Football. The original Johnny, or sorry, Johnny Football, 100 original workouts. And, uh, I, you know, and you think there's a lot of people that screen capped it, saved some stuff, but nobody's no. got what I got because no, no. They, they could never get the, the strength wads. They got the D, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. they didn't get the S. Yeah. So it's the uh, program formally known as CrossFit yes, Football. Yeah. Just kind of like the artist formally known as Prince. No, the RIP. Yeah. So now we're going Johnny Football. Um, so if you want to get on the original train, if you were an original uh, Johnny Football follower and you want to get on it, we're going to be rebooting it. It's going to be epic. Uh, those of you guys that are looking for dick punches and you guys know if you follow the program, know what a dick yeah, punch is because we days. had them on the program where if people ask dumb questions, the community was kind of vicious and there was a lot of curb stomps, AKA dick punches. And so we're going to get back to it. We're going to go, um, I hate to say going old school, but we're going back to our roots. So if you were a, you know, fit football <laughs> follower, this is going to be the one. And um, I'm trying to talk Luke into, helping me put together an ebook of that original content and mm-hmm. with some of the like original writings and some of the stuff, I thought it'd be a fun thing for people that did the program to also have an ebook that went with it. And, uh, the only problem is when I looked, there was like 2,500 workouts yeah, over awesome. the course of eight years that I have programmed. So going through and like, as I was going through all the information and all everything, I'm like, Ooh, that was a badass cycle. Ooh, that was good. Mm-hmm. So we're going to start with the original hundred and, uh, we're going to drop some goes, other yeah. stuff in and we're just going to let it get weird. Now, do you think, Co- was it Coco who would pollute the feeds with all sorts of rude uh, dick punches? Do you it think was, Coco will be it was, around? It was Coco and James G oh. was, I remember James G it was James without an S, but James G, uh, whoever that was, uh, I think I have an idea who it was used to just, just unleash on some people and, <laughs> the then original. Co- and then Coco was a little rough too. So if you want to learn or get on Johnny Wad, go to johnnywad.com. J O H N N I E W O D.com. People enough about us, enough about the programming, enough about McQuilkin's poor planning and decision-making. Let's get on to, did Rob text back? Yeah, he just texted back. He, uh, I just sent him the, uh, the zoom link and he should be on the screen nice. up here in a few seconds. That's the power we have. And by we, I do mean, John, you call Rob Wolf and he answers. So you, you call him the motherfucking Wolf. <laughs> Shit. That's all you gotta say. Here we go. Power Athlete Radio. So, yeah, we were without power for like 36 hours. Jesus, did the whole place erupt? I mean, were people running in the streets, killing and maiming and murdering? No, I, I had my fingers crossed for that. But, um, you know, I keep waiting. So the power was out and I was like, oh, was it the EMP pulse or is it just the snow? And <laughs> unfortunately, it was just the snow because I'm really set up well for the EMP pulse. Nice. You're, you're on the high ground? You got clear view of entryways? Locking grids of fire, high ground. Um, <laughs> You know, uh, uh, about, a severe uh, hate for your neighbor. So you just grease him in the face and realize your next meal is coming at his house. Exactly. Yep. Yep. About two, two million calories to store food. So, yeah. Yeah. Nice. So we're ready for the if we is is Rob's place now uh, Rally Point Zulu or Task Force? Uh, what, 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 <laughs> uh, I forgot, I forgot what it was. 
a fallback. I, I, I would stick with what you guys have going first. If that goes tits up, then head my way. You know, uh, we have uh, pretty good. I mean, we did until they decided to build that school in the background. But uh, yeah, I mean, we were pretty, you know, sequestered back here. What I mean, we just take over that structure, and next thing you know, we have a fortress. Ah, uh, that's really good high ground. It's uh, like The Walking Dead. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, dude, exactly. The, the uh, it, uh, yeah. I tell Kate all the time that if something bad happens, just hope that she dies first. Because, uh, like, food sensitivity, stomach, I'm like, DJ and the guys that work for me, they can live off Twinkies and fucking NOS. <laughs> Kate, on the other hand, is like, ah, oh, this non-organic non food is giving me a, a you know, stuffed navel passage and I can't walk, you know, I'm having stomach pains. I'm like, you're not going to survive the apocalypse like this. You need to, like, I, I told her, I'm like, we need to go out and you need to eat pizza and fucking shit your brains out and throw up and like start dosing yourself in yeah, small like amounts. Slowly titrate up her her nos intake, <laughs> like a mil a mil a day until she's Dude. up at that like at least a can <sighs> level. It would kill her. I, she, and she even says she's like, if something bad happens, I just hope I die first. Just make sure the kids survive. And I'm like, well, we gotta, you yeah. know, fucking do something. Or she might do great because it would all be organic food at some point. You just gotta live long enough to get there. Yeah. Um, I'm really kind of like uh, uh, laughing and thinking about all these people being like, oh, the end. I'm like, you guys wouldn't fucking survive. You can't grow any food. Hmm? Yeah, good point. And, uh, and then the fact that all these dudes are basically massive pussies now with their fucking non-gender. Whoa, whoa, I'm right. Oh, I thought you were talking about me. Oh, uh, dude, uh, Rob and I have this pretty epic text message uh, thread with, uh, with Uncle Dave. And it's just like, like uh, it's pretty funny about every 10, Uncle Dave's just like, kill me now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But can't, like, isn't all of that, isn't all that just like fucking, isn't that static or is that really a, is that truly like a wave, a movement of, uh, I guess how our society is going is that everyone has to now accept the, the ace, the asexual gender type or whatever it's called. Uh, uh, yes. I mean, and that's fine. You know what? People should be able to live the life that they want. Sure. Um, and I've kind of come grips with this and realized this is probably a good thing. But my point is, is it like, is it really as massive as we hear? Like it's perceived to be on like social media and shit. Well, but I mean, when the state of California, uh, you know, writes in the law that like no longer you have to identify your gender on the California mm -hmm. driver's license, like now you can just get like a zero. Yeah, but like, California doesn't count, does it? Well, but I mean, like it's got to be no, enough. No, of an just issue. the sixth largest economy on the planet. Yeah. Oh, that California. <laughs> but I mean, if, if it's if it's as big an issue, I mean, how many people are we talking about here? Mm -hmm. That's what I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it is a lot. We need the data. Well, yeah. I mean, it's in some influential spots. Ah, it's Google, Facebook, Twitter, yeah, yeah. you know. Um, well, I feel it, like... The, it's kind of an asymmetric I feel like those organizations have no slack, though. Like, they have no slack. They have no. to They have to cater to the N equals one type stuff, or else they get lambasted in the fucking media for it. Well, not even media, it's social media, and it's social uh -huh. justice warriors that are just... You know, I like um, that uh, JP... What's the dude, J.P. Sears? Sears. Mm -hmm. Has that great one. I think I sent it to you where uh, he's like, I am a social justice warrior, and this is my sword. And he shows his computer, and he's like, <laughs> he's like, these are my five tactics as a social justice warrior. And he goes through these whole things, and he goes, finally, after I've lost every argument, I just pick a word to call you over and over again until you go away. Racist, bigot, sexist, xenophobe. The finishing and move. 
Oh, yeah. And he's like, but this is only pulled out when everything else has failed and all of my straw arguments are destroyed. I have to go to these these attacks. And it's like, <laughs> it's really funny. He, uh, yeah, he, he uh, Parsley is buddies with him and sends me his stuff constantly. I'll be like, Parsley, I know who he is. Speaking of which, we had a Parsley sighting this morning. No, I yeah. don't believe it. 6 a.m. Like on, on the side of the road, get like hands on the <laughs> hands on the bumper. Like don't no fast moves. Or. Dude, I uh, I like um, so the, we have 6 a.m. workout time. And uh, but like we have an option over six or an 815. So Luke and Dave are going at 815 and uh, Texas at the conference. So I'm like 6 a.m. I'm so excited to have like my silent training session where I can just go in. Do what you want. Fucking just get weird. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to fucking squat heavy by myself on a safety squat bar. So if I don't get it, I'll fucking die. I was really excited. And all of a sudden, as I'm there, I hear this knock on the door. I'm like, who the fuck? And it's Parsley. And he's like, hey, we working out today? I'm like, yeah, where are you? <laughs> sure, come on in. And uh, he, uh, he just needed to talk. So we, had, uh, we worked out and he just, he talked and worked out. And I just think he just... He just needed some, you know, some bro time, some J. Well, some John time. Yeah he, yeah, he just needed a little talking time. And uh, yeah, he's just I think he's just lonely. So I was like, Doc, anytime. So he's like, OK. And then the best is he tells me, he's like, I don't know how you can work out this much. He's like, I'm going to be sore for like five days. And then I'm like, OK, I'll see you tomorrow. He's like, no, I'll see you next week. I'm like, OK. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I told him, I'm like, I, I, I think it just is a cumulative effect, like. If you tell yourself, and uh, Rob, I, 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 dude, I have, um, not only did I watch the Michael Rose AHS talk, I've watched every other talk that he's done, and I've pretty much ordered his two most recent books and read everything that he's put out on anything else over the course. I was telling these guys, I've spent like three days. Yeah, you're going deep. Yeah, dude, like completely absorbing it. I even made the mistake of calling the Kraken, and the Kraken and I had about a two or three hour conversation about it. Dude, uh, uh, he reminds me, uh, I, I suspect that he, the Kraken will be him in like 20, 25 years. <laughs> well, you know, the, as I was, <laughs> so I call the Kraken and I'm like, uh, and, and the thing I love about Matt is I have, I haven't really, he, he sends me a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year every year. And even though we text, like, I don't talk to him. I call him on the phone. He's like, Hey John, I'm like, what's up, Matt? How you doing? He's like, huh, nothing. Like, it's like, we just saw each other earlier today. Haven't right. spoken to him in a year. And we dive right in and I'm like, okay, hey, Michael Rose. And he's like, ah, what do you think? And I'm like, Ugh. So, okay. hey, let's let's get into this, right? Oh, so let's okay. let's get going. And so, John, you've just recently watched okay, this so, Michael Rose video or, uh, or lecture no. on fruit flies. And for the longest time, I had no idea of the context. You're like, I'm watching fruit flies. Leave me alone. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like okay, a discovery so, channel? But well, go ahead. No, let me put some context. They just breed a lot. And John likes to watch. Them. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Like, well, Rob's just impressed by their, you know, equipment because, you know, they're massive penises. Insect but. breeding is one of our things out here at Power Athlete. <laughs> oh, there's you know? a lot of insects. But the way that it works is... Uh, you know, my good friend Rob Wolf, uh, in his constant desire to try to uh, fucking suck my time away and by throwing me these bones because he knows I'm going to tweak out about him, uh, sends me this um, this talk by Michael Rose from the Ancestral Health Symposium, uh, which we were not there at this year. I think it was in like Montana. So uh, he sends it to me and I'm looking at this thing. It's like aging, um, fruit flies and longevity. And you're like, hey, I had this guy's on the podcast. You should watch it. And if it, Rob, just know if you recommend for something for me to read or watch, I always do it because all it ends up doing is just reinforcing all the kind of conclusions that we drew about ten years ago, and and then we didn't think we're right, and now we're coming back to right. So right. I start watching this 
talk at AHS and I see this guy get up there and I'm like, oh, this guy's, you know, uh, he's in good shape. He's pretty articulate. He starts speaking. And as I'm sitting there uh, listening to him and he is a evolutionary biologist in his realm of, I guess, his, his uh, field of study is in fruit flies. And, goes, well, and John, let me throw something yeah, in here. No, really no quick. yeah, you throw it in. The, the most prestigious evolutionary medicine, evolutionary biology journal in the world has broken aging research into the time before Michael Rose's work and the time after his work. Yeah, well, let me tell you, I've only heard yeah. this statement a few times. When we were at AHS, when I spoke years ago at, at uh, I think it was at Harvard, um, Chris Masterjohn got up and spoke. And I remember you turned to me and you're like, he's the smartest dude in the room and Lalonde's in here. So then when I was talking with Lalonde and I'm like, Michael Rose is pretty smart. He's like, you remember that comment that uh, Rob made about Chris Masterjohn? I'm like, yeah. He's like, Michael Rose is the smartest dude in every room. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, ooh. That's a pretty big one for you to say, Kraken. He's like, it's true. He's like, that guy's research is is so groundbreaking that it just alters the trajectory of a lot of things. So uh, then the other one is we kind of we started discussing it. Matt stops me and goes, did you know, did, did you figure out how old he was? I'm like, he was talking about uh, five decades. I had to stop and go and Google him to figure out how old he is. He's 64 years old. And Matt's like, how crazy is that? How young does he look? I'm like, I would have never guessed he was 64. He's like, exactly. OK, go on. And then we got in and uh, Rob, you can probably talk more on the science side or at least describe the talk a little bit better because I don't want to butcher it. So the, the cool thing about Michael Rose and Matt Lalonde, like Matt saved John and I from going headfirst into a brick wall, taking this this valuable paleo diet, ancestral health concept, but, but um, presenting it in a goofy way, which John and I would have our, our best efforts wouldn't have been that good had it not been for Matt intervening and being like, no, 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 you can't say this. Okay. I understand what you're trying to do there, but you got to couch it this way. And so Matt really saved us in that regard. And what Michael Rose did is he really answered a lot of the questions around like, well, Hey, we have these populations that developed dairying and they have adaptations to dairy, like lactase gene persistence and, and some different things like that. And he, his research suggests that in various populations, and again, this is going to depend, it's a, there's huge spectrums around this, but if you come from a population that's from Asia or maybe the Middle East, there's a case to be made that you are probably well adapted, at least in your younger years, to what Michael Rose would call an organic Neolithic diet, grains, legumes, dairy, that type of stuff. But then you will hit a, an inflection point as you age where the, the selective advantage of youth that, that has been forged from the last, say, 10,000 years of agriculture is gone. And we're defaulting back to an older kind of operating system on the genetic level. And you should probably adopt some sort of a, a paleo-S type diet that involves lots and lots of vegetable matter, but the bulk of your calories coming from animal products, which is kind of like, oh, wow, that, that it almost looks like a protein sparing modified fast or something like that, you know? And sure. um, yeah, shocker, which, it, you know, it's highly satiating, massively nutrient dense. And, um, and he does some really, really slick research. And again, it's on fruit flies, but he, he, the, the research is very slick and it's getting extrapolated to, other um other species and it, it just makes the case that it, you know if you're let's say native american your inflection point for needing to shift to a quote paleo type diet 
maybe when, when you're 15 or 18. Because yeah, he was in, so in uh, to give some background on the study, what uh, basically happened, he studied fruit flies. He found uh, fruit flies from like behind a, a, a fruit orchard in Massachusetts, and they had existed in this place, they figured, for you know hundreds of years eating rotten fruit, uh, mainly apples. They took the fruit flies to his lab in Irvine, um, UC Irvine, and they separated them into different parts. Uh, like uh, different quadrants almost. They kept one set of fruit flies eating their uh, ancestral diet, which was uh, like, I think like a rotting almost apple mash that he, uh, that they had kind of made to mimic it. And then they put uh, another um, set of fruit flies in a like container and their diet was based off of rotten bananas. And then they raised those on rotten bananas for, I think a thousand generations. And just for, for context, one day in a fruit fly's life is a, a roughly equivalent to one year of our lives. So they do a thousand generations and then they took those generations and they fed them oranges and they observed everything from like longevity, um, movement, uh, breeding. They counted eggs. They did all these different things and they realized that the, you know, obviously the apples be the ancestral diet, the uh, bananas would be like the Neolithic kind of more modern or uh, more like, I guess, uh, agricultural diet. And then the oranges being like, you know, your Twinkies and Nos and the shit that like people can get now that didn't exist 50 years ago. And uh, they looked at it and there was a pretty good parallel between the ancestral diet, and the Neolithic diet out till about 35 or 40 days, which would be equivalent to ours. And at which point the Neolithic di uh, diet, like, shot down like you know went into the ground and the ancestral diet continued out and he went back to this idea of why does it happen and it's a something within our genetic code where the genes become disinterested and lazy and this was pretty interesting like why are we here you know to reproduce once we're past the reproduction age why do we have to be here so the body's pretty sharp about getting rid of us so it becomes disinterested and aging is really a function of interest. And I read a pretty interesting piece and I saw him do a talk on, on YouTube and he made a good point with because we stopped doing the things that we did when we were young, that makes us more, you know, uh, I guess, you know, selectable to mate. And we stop doing those things. Like we don't play sports. We don't exercise. Like we don't battle. We become lazier and kind of this idea of like, well, I'm just getting old. And I even heard one thing where they talked about mindset where you have, you know, how you feeling? Ah, I'm just feeling old. I'm getting tired. That is like a signaling of the brain that the genetics are turning. And even just a, you know, a little bit more positive thing of still going out there, which to me really goes back to all the talks we had about Art Devaney when you referred to him as Superman's granddad. <laughs> You know, right. Well, and, you know, the funny thing is uh, uh, Michael Rose was down the hallway from art at Irvine. <laughs> shocker. Another shocker. Yeah. Yeah. So and, like, when you read a lot of art stuff and you listen to Michael Rose, you're definitely getting some of Michael's stuff in there for sure, which they're two of the smartest people I've ever met. Well, I mean, but and they, the the one thing that I thought was really interesting, too, where he talked about that there was this tipping point that as soon as your genetics start to change, you have about a three year window where the switch over to more of a paleo-esque ancestral diet ends up taking hold. And in that three years is a massive physical trans, uh, transformation. Uh, he also talked about, you know, exercise and being smart and doing things. I mean, we could get into the physiology of like motor unit recruitment and a, a million different things, not letting yourself get out of 
shape. Uh, he also had a thing with like, uh, I think like renewable tissues that if something on your body that's not right, like you have a growth or something, get it cut off. Um, then I also saw somebody making a comment to him, which he kind of agreed on that some things that promote like a physical longevity, like maybe some, uh, you know, like microderm or, you know, getting some things done to your face so you don't appear as old. So there's not that feeling of being old. And I was like, man, so like, like the psychological side. Yeah. Like the psych, <laughs> like, like feeling virile, feeling young, which is pretty interesting. All of the people that I've met who were older, who, uh, were all pretty active and felt pretty good. Always were like, yeah, I feel really young. I don't know. You know, I don't understand. Like, yeah, they look good. Right? Yeah. Yeah. They look good. They feel good. And it was like, uh, it, it just, it started to kind of make sense. And it's this idea of just being, you know, the genes become lazy. And he, his comment I thought was also great is the most curable disease and, and death that we have coming is, uh, the stopping of aging. He's like, I believe that in our, in, you know, within this lifetime, we will effectively stop aging, which I don't know is a good thing. If you had people living for two and 300 years, at the I think you got to test into that treatment. Like you, you can't be a dipshit and be like, get the anti-aging treatment. You got to, you know, yeah, but you got to have certain capabilities and moral, moral compass. I think it's got to be money. Philanthropy. I mean, and well, because where would you want to stop your aging? I don't know if I'd want to stop my aging and be like 70 oh, for the rest of my life. Easy. I'm 26. 18 years old, high school football, state champion. No. What? I would take 26 <laughs> years old. You think so? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, my, I was a fucking train wreck back then. Dude, 26, like if I could just stay 26 forever, but mm -hmm. I guess we don't get the option. But then you got to think about, I mean, I, you know, Rob and I were also discussing this, but at the turn of the century, there was roughly about 1.2, 1. 1. million, three, th or sorry, 1.2 to 1.3 billion people on the planet. And now here we are, 100 20 years later with roughly 10 billion people on the planet. So we've had like this growth of, you know, exponential. I mean, I think it was like six times, eight times the growth within, mm -hmm. you know, the last 120 years. And then they're what they're projecting out and they're just looking at it. Like, I don't know if we got, I don't, I don't know if there's enough available real estate to support this many people. Mars. Well, it, it, it's interesting. I, I'm reading a book right now, uh, wizards and profits. And it's from the guy that wrote the book 1491. Uh, it's kind of like, uh, what was the, what were the Americas like immediately pre-Columbian contact? It's a fascinating book. The guy's really, really interesting. And he's basically laying out this case between two potential futures and the, the two aren't necessarily exclusionary, but one of them is this kind of more like, um, uh, uh, you know, some of these bets that have happened in economics, you know, like Moore's law, like, Hey, I, I'm blanking on the, the two folks that, that made a bet, but what one guy is an economist, another guy was an ecologist and the economist said, Hey, you pick a basket of commodities and I'll bet you that in 10 years they're cheaper because the, the, the thought there is that all these resources are limited, they're finite. And so we're going to run out of them. The price will go up. And without exception, and this has been like oil and gold and all these things that are non-renewable, like we keep innovating in ways that it makes things kind of cheaper and better. And there's some fascinating cases to be made around, um, you know, what the real quote carrying capacity of the planet could be. And what's fascinating is when we get industrialized and women get educated and standards of living go up, 
people generally have fewer children. You don't need to have 12 kids because you're, you know, there's some uh, uh, social support network that, that gets developed other than, than having kids and, and uh, uh, you know, subsistence farming and everything. But it's a really fascinating book. If, if you guys could get him on the podcast, I'm, I'm going to try to cue him up and, and get him on for mine at some point. But it's nice. What did he, uh, what was his estimation? I mean, I know that uh, when, before Columbus, or I guess when Columbus showed up, they estimated like, I mean, I, I forgot what the population estimation was, but it was like a couple million people. No, no, no. Pre-Columbian pre contact, the Americas had two thirds of the current population. It was as populous as what the Americas were in the 1960s. What? Really? Yes. And then we gave them all smallpox. We gave them all smallpox. Nobody came back for about 100 years. And then when we came back, the, it looked like the whole place was empty. And, and that's one of these things that, yeah. Is, is, is this what we discussed last night with the pandemic, that there's this like 1918 pandemic is going to come out? Uh, did you see the research on why that was effective? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. those kids had been exposed to that. Uh, there was a, I, I want to say there was like the, the kids of the, you know, the healthy age had been exposed to something before that. There had been like another kind of a, a, you know, flu virus that had come out and then that made them more susceptible. And the people that hadn't right. been alive or had were older that didn't get it didn't have the same problems. Right, right. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's uh, I, I have a feeling um, the earth and all this stuff will eventually right itself. I mean, I hope it does. I, I just, well. At some point, the sun's going to run out of its current ratio of fissile material. It'll expand to the um, orbit of Mars, and it's all going to get recycled then anyway. So that's, that's where I'm, like, that's I'm a, kind of a, We're a couple of years away from that. We're a few years away from that. But, it, you, you know, if you uh, the, uh, if biology teaches us one thing, it's that extinction is kind of the rule, not the exception. And so... Um, even if we figure out, like, if we go this kind of low tech route, at some point, a comet hits, a volcano explodes, um, the sun dies. And if like, we haven't moved on at some point, we're done. And, uh, you know, part of the part of the argument around that is, you know, maybe we do ourselves in in the process of trying to develop that technology where we could maybe migrate elsewhere and, and whatnot. But um, those are those are some kind of stark realities too but to your point that's uh that's longer down the road than um the history of the earth thus far so we we got a little bit of a little bit of runway to deal with with that so we might as well party while we're here <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah let's not be sad every day and enjoy it but no i mean that uh that whole thing with fruit flies i, I just to go back to it uh that was that his piece and his talk at hs was probably the most compelling uh compelling like really speech and just information that i've heard for an ancestral diet in probably 10 years well, i mean it's i was so nervous interviewing that guy because i've i've heard ban batted around that he's like a 170 180 iq and i just so did not want to fuck anything up so well he uh yeah typical he he reminded me of the kraken in that he was almost bothered by people asking him questions so like at, at AHS, people yep. were asking him questions almost. And, and the only like I like questions. I'm like, yeah, let's get to know people. Uh, the Kraken, like 
if you're asking him a question, it's because you're questioning what he put up there and they go into this defense mode. And uh, like, like people were asking him questions and you could see like a general like disdain for the fucking people asking questions. And I was like, oh, this is great. This guy is the Kraken. Well, for, for Rose and for Matt, it, it's the, the bummer is that like 95% of the questions pertain to material that they just presented, but the person didn't uptake it. <laughs> and so I think that's what chaps their ass. Like if you've got a, a good integrative insight, like he actually, after we wrapped up, he was like, Hey, that was one of the best interviews I've ever had. I would love to come back on the show, which I like, you know, voided my bowels. And I was like, okay, I didn't totally, totally suck because I actually spent a lot of time reading his shit and trying to think about what the next step kind of, okay, let's lay the foundation of what his work is, but also let's actually, not look like an idiot and, and just ask him repetitious bullshit, you know, and, and kind of add some next level kind of stuff. I think that that's what chaps are asked. Like they want to go to the next level. They don't want to reiterate what they just said. And if you're not smart enough to pick it up on the first go around, then you probably shouldn't be here. Yourself. Yeah, no, it's, it, it's a true statement. I mean, just, but the, uh, you know, I, I remember when, uh, you know, we originally the, you know, like you and I discussing the paleo diet and really this ancestral diet. And like, I, I think, uh, the way it was explained, at least the way we talked about it, made sense. And then there was this whole, what I like to call the dark ages, where it was like all this mysticism. And uh, I mean, I, I was guilty of it, too, to some extent. I mean, I, you know, we kind of it was an easy way to couch it as like, hey, you know, this ancestral diet, this but the problem came down to uh, one. We didn't have anybody that was 40,000 years old hanging around. We didn't have any, you know, it was all just this historical uh, observation and a lot of Cordain's just observational work. And so I think there wasn't a good piece. And Matt Garrett gave that gate or gave that great talk at AHS where he said, hey, if you guys want to be legitimized and have this thing continue to carry on, you're going to have to steep it in science and, and not fucking mysticism and magic. And everybody got fucking butthurt. But he was right. And I think it, it, it literally altered my trajectory with it. And then people were, you know, at fucking paleo FX and, you know, trying to find their shaman with ayahuasca and other weird shit. And it just kind of went off into this hokey direction. And Michael Rose's talk and what he presented was probably the most compelling piece that I've heard uh, within, you know, since I read your book. I mean, it's really like, holy shit, man, this is a, a really good piece. And it just explained a lot of things where people are like, well, you know, why don't you paleo diet? I'm healthy. I eat this way. And you're like now, but what happens when you age? And I, I mean, I, I saw this in my dad, um, you know, when he passed away, we were looking at all these pictures and my mom just made this observation. She's like, you know, it was really weird. Your dad turned like 40, hit his mid forties and uh, he just seemed to age faster. And I was like, huh? And when I was watching it, I called my mom and I was like, you know, dad was, you know, typical American diet, you know, a lot of heart healthy grains and, you know, non-fat milks. You don't want that saturated fat in a banana and this. And it was pretty much this high carb, low fat, uh, you know, very low to moderate protein. And I remember like, you know, waking up and he's like, oh, you don't want to have too many of those eggs. So give you, a, you know, cholesterol. <laughs> cholesterol. And then, yeah, you yeah. know, and then he was like, oh, you know, you know, I remember I was eating like, you know, cooking ground beef. And he's like, oh, are you going to drain all that out? You don't want all that fat that'll really clog up your arteries. And he used to, and he, he used to pepper me nonstop with this. Oh, you know, are you sure you're going to eat that 30 ounce steak? And I'm like, yeah, and I'm going to order another one for breakfast dessert. And, um, <laughs> he couldn't, he couldn't wrap his head, uh, around the idea that, you know, saturated fat wasn't dangerous and that a high protein diet, it's like, ah, oh, you know, you don't eat too much protein, you know, it's bad for your kidneys. And I used to hear this shit and it was just like, 
uh, I was like, Dad, how come uh, after we, because on Saturdays, we used to get up and cook bacon and we'd have eggs. And I was like, how come when I eat the bacon and eggs, I don't get like uh, explosive diarrhea immediately after? Because, <laughs> dude, I would eat like a whole massive bowl of grape nuts with like a big thing of nonfat milk. And instantly, like... It, it, like it just came out of me too fast. It Bubble was like, guts. Well, it was like you know, if you've ever been around Rob and he's gotten gluten bombed, mm-hmm. oh fucking bring in the hazmat suits. Disaster pants, man. Yeah, <laughs> and so uh, same thing. And then the other one is, is after that would happen, I would go and then I would just fall asleep in first period, and I didn't start feeling better till lunch. And I remember uh, I got a note, and they're like, you know, he needs to sleep more. He keeps falling asleep. I'm like, I keep going to sleep. I don't know why I'm so fucking tired. I was probably in this fucking, you know, 300 count of, uh, of blood sugar and having this like glucose coma <laughs> almost every single day from eating uh, like two cups of grape nuts. And you, you know what bodes well in that story, though, John, is your, your pop still made it to what, 80? Yeah, he did. It, it motored along pretty good. And then, it, yeah. you know, it wasn't a super protracted kind of in process. So the fact that you eat really differently, you, you exercise a lot. And, um, it's interesting. We talked about this a little bit at the, the symposium, I would make a case that the power athlete template with this alter alternating kind of emphasis on max effort rate of force development and, uh, you, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, big motor unit activation via sprinting and change direction. I would really be in mobility and all that. I would, I'm honestly very hard pressed to think of something that would be better from an anti-aging perspective for a training modality. Like I, I don't really know what else you would really add to that scene. It's all peripheral. Okay. We're going to do some sauna. We're going to do, you know, tweak some diet and everything, but from like a training load perspective, it's really interesting. So, you know, that all that stuff bodes well for, for you because you got out ahead of this stuff in that window where you were probably in that Neolithic paleolithic transition point, you know, within your life cycle. So it, it could bode really well for your, your whole, you know, existence. So yeah, so you're gonna be around a long well, time, big not. guy. Long time. We'll hit those triple digits. Uh, me, no, you, no. Stanton, Tex, just fucking uh, ride around and. I, I was just old. Square bodies while yeah, everybody's hitting old pieces of cars. Be like, our old gassers <laughs> just over there smoking diesel. No, you know, uh, I'll, I'll tell you this: the one thing that um, is such a, a pillar and really good foundation for our program is this idea of you know maintaining trunk stability through isometric contractions and you know finding different ways and really putting that at the forefront and not just making it kind of like, oh yeah, I do my ab work. And I mean, even with Parsi today. Uh, as we were we were squatting heavy or I was squatting heavy and we were doing different things like in between my rest sets, I always do dead bugs and like some med ball throws. And I was trying to explain it to him that for the most of the trunk work I do, I'm always focused on this idea of isometric contractions. And then I try to move my limbs and do different things. And then if I need to do anything and he's like, well, do you ever do any crunches? I'm like, no, I do a ton of isometric contractions, whether it be, you know, different planes of motion for, you know, pillars, planks, side planks, dead bugs. And I went through it and I'm like, if I need to do something rotation wise or something that involves, you know, uh, like that similar movement. Uh, I do either uh, some form of dynamic med ball work or we swing kettlebells. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, other than that, man, like maybe some GHDs or some this, I'm like, 
I'm like the days of, of, uh, like there was never a day where like I was doing crunches in like a globo gym setting. I'm like, it just never seemed to make sense. And all it ends up doing is hurting your back and fucking up your neck. And uh, he was like, Oh, I need to work more on that. And I'm no, like, man, butterfly sit-ups 50, 40, 30, 20, 10 with double unders. Uh, Annie. Yes. Yeah. Annie. What's your Annie time? Uh, actually the marker for eliteness is your any time. I would agree. And I only know that's that. That's the marker for longevity, Rob. Because Dave Castro asked me what my any time was. <laughs> and I told him, I was like, zero. I've never done it. He's like, yeah, that's what I'm training for. I'm trying to get it under like a three minute ante. And I was like, I have no fucking idea what that means. <laughs> the good old days, man. Ah, uh, dude, it's, uh, but not salad mean, years, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> to, but to, the, to pull a, pull a line out of raising Arizona, <laughs> dude, the, the, uh, I mean, yeah, Rob, I mean, the, the idea of like, you know, we've talked about this, you know, uh, you know, recruiting, you know, motor units, you know, keeping muscle mass high, I mean, high protein diet. And that's the other one, which, uh, if you get into some of his research, he talks about this paleo thing, but he doesn't really talk about carbohydrates and fats. The only thing he really mentions is, is like a high, high protein diet, which if you lift weights, you sleep. I mean, we had, uh, Chris Morris on the podcast, who's a, a PhD and is really, um, he's like the head of performance for KU, uh, for Kentucky. And he, you know, we were talking offline on these emails about, you know, performance. And he's like, you know, the people that are able to recover the most through sleep or whatever it means are able to train with the highest relative intensity over the longest amount of time are the people that make the best progress. And I was like, fuck. That seems like totally intuitive. Like that's how beautifully it be. simple. Yeah. But like <laughs> right. the people who maybe it comes down to and I and Matt Ford, uh, this, this was another cracking moment, which I was going to, I was waiting to tell you on the podcast. So we, we get off. I'm like, Oh, and Matt goes, Hey, what's your email? And I'm like, okay, why? He's like, I'm going to send you some stuff. Uh, like he, he must've sent me, um, he, he, he tried to load in too many articles and too much research. So he had to send it in multiple pings. Uh, and then like, and then he sends me one. Uh, I'll be checking in to make sure that you've read this. And so I like the, like last night I'm like laying in bed trying to read all these articles and go through this whole thing because I know he's going to call me at some point and uh, probably in the near future and be like, want to discuss it. And if I haven't done it, he's going to be fucking pissed at me. I can't believe I sent you all that stuff and you didn't read it. And I'll be like, fucking can't anger the Kraken. Ah, oh, dude, that's why he's called no, the Kraken. But he's done it. Not it's not going to be a private thing. He's going to be like, so schedule me for the podcast. <laughs> and we'll I'm, I'm going to fucking eviscerate you, you fucking asshole. Yeah. Wellborn, uh, dude. Yeah. He, but so I'm, I'm reading all this stuff and, um, he, he sent me a bunch of stuff on like protein synthesis and like leucine and muscle. And then, uh, mm. and, and then I, I also got him spun up talking about fasting. I was like, Matt, what do you think about fasting? And he's like, you know what I think about fasting? And I'm like, well, let's just reiterate. And, uh, uh, I was like, uh, you know, Rob and I, and we kind of talked our contentions, just a fancy way for caloric restriction. And he's like, exactly. And then he's, and he just fucking launched into this tirade about how there's no magic, you know, and he's, it was, it was pretty good. It was, uh, it was, I, it was good cracking and, stuff. And, you know, this is where I, I feel kind of responsible in some ways. Um, my first kind of published article on intermittent fasting was in two, 2005 with the performance menu. And it was, pretty broadly disseminated within that early CrossFit scene. And there was some interesting stuff, but again, it was the, the, the thought was that maybe you could hit some sort of a sweet spot between, you know, anabolism and catabolism. And there's, you know, some uh, health and longevity benefits, but the, the bugger is that all this research has been done in mice or rodents at least 
in generally a, a day of rodent fasting is equivalent to a week of human fasting. And so it, it just doesn't, doesn't really square, doesn't really pan out. And so over the course of time, I've just become less and like a little bit of time restricted feeding, like eat earlier. I'm, I'm actually kind of a fan of front loading the calories during the day. Don't go to bed with a full stomach. That probably makes sense. But beyond that, like if you're not overeating, if you're not overeating processed food, you're banging some weights, um, you're getting a little bit of metabolic conditioning here and there. I don't know what else you do. Like as you age, it's a shit show battle to maintain the muscle mass you have, to maintain those big motor endpoints and, and maximum recruitment. In a one week fast to just like peel muscle mass off of you and the preferential stuff that goes is those big motor unit stuff. It, it seems really bad idea. Seems like a terrible idea. And I mean, part of what people are doing is trying to avoid the, the boogeyman of, of cancer and some different things like that. And John, you shot me a paper that was interesting where folks did like a, a 30, 40% of normal caloric intake one day, and then 140% of caloric intake the next day and seemed to have some really good benefits there, like stuff like that. And on your, on your low calorie day, I could see stacking that up and making it a PSMF type thing. Like it's real heavy protein, lots of vegetables, no fat, super low caloric load. The next day you round it out with some fat and some carbs and, and uh, make it, make it easy on yourself. I could see some benefit there, but that's different than doing these like five day water fasts to improve autophagy when autophagy is improved with fucking coffee and lifting weights. Like it, it, in both of those things are good. You know? well, the, so, the, uh, yeah. uh, the, the only thing I've ever heard, um, I made the, uh, Dom Diagostino was on Tim Ferriss's podcast. And, uh, I, you know, when I did that deal for parsley and his, and, uh, his girl that healthy, wealthy Dom was on the podcast or Dom was on the panel I was on. So I, I just listened to it just cause, um, I, we've been connected through Wade's army on some stuff, but he's never been all that responsive. So I just wanted to listen to kind of understand a little bit more of what he's doing for the research. Cause I know he and Ken Ford are great friends mm -hmm. and, um, Long story short, he made an interesting point that, you know, there's like a some point, I think he said like every quarter, maybe twice a year, there's like a 72 hour fast that you can do that will help clear out metabolic garbage. And he mm -hmm. thought that that might be a strategy uh, for, you know, maybe potentially avoiding cancer or, you know, like just clearing out metabolic garbage. And like, that's the way he put it. And uh, he's like, you know, I don't really advocate fasting in terms of like this, you know, predestined thing. He's, you know, and he said, Hey, for the most part, I don't eat in the mornings because I find that after I eat, I get kind of lethargic. So I'll like not eat in the morning so I can get all my work done. And then I treat like my meal as like, I've got all my writing and work done for the day. And then I'm able to sit down and eat almost like if I don't, I might not be motivated to get it done. So food's my motivator. And so I'm like mm. listening to this. I'm like, okay, that's an interesting, and he's, you know, obviously, uh, you know, ketogenic, you know, guy and has all these, you know, you know, measures it in a million different ways. But uh, like, that's a strategy that works for him. And admittedly, like psychological, yeah, it's, right? It's doesn't claim there's a, you know, biological component to it. He just and, switched on that way. Yeah. And then said, you know, twice yeah. a year, 
just don't eat for like a weekend. He's like, you know, like wake up on a Friday, drink some coffee, do some exercise. And then like, you know, maybe eat Sunday night, like 72 hours he went through it. And he's like, it should theoretically work in this way, but he didn't. And I think Tim Ferriss was like, you know, you need to, you know, tell us how you fast for 22 and a half hours. And then for that 15 minutes, you, you know, stuff MCT oil up your butt or something, you know, like, <laughs> like, like Ferris was looking for some hack, some magic. And the dude was like, ah, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, ketones are good. I mean, but yet like not all cancer, you know, some cancer actually does better when it, in a ketogenic, you know, effect. I mean, state. yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, state. So, uh, yeah, that was a good one. I mean, I, I think there is some benefit. I just, uh, when I start kind of doing the research, it just all kind of, I like, I, I go back to this idea of like, is there really this hormonal physiological effect or is it just from calorie restriction that these things are happening? And, and probably a bit of both, but I mean, that is such a modest, reasonable thing to do compared to folks are doing five and seven day water fast. They're doing them like once a month. And the people that are doing it, like there's a guy, Ray Cronice, very smart guy. He's really link wagons with the, the vegan folks, but um, he wrote a, a really interesting paper on the uh, the metabolic winter hypothesis, which it's good, but it, it, it's literally just like the old book lights out sleep, sugar and survival. It's as if he just like completely pulled the, the, the whole guts out of that thing and redid it, but it's good stuff. It, you know, it, it makes some interesting cases, but Ray and these folks that are really geeked out on the, the fasting deal. And I'm by no means like a huge strapping physical specimen. I only get two days a week of strength training because I'm mainly focused on, on jits, but, um, these people look frail and they're like 50 and, and uh, they look like if they fell down, like they would shatter, you know, and, and that, th th that's the thing that's really concerning to me is, okay. Yeah. Maybe uh, winter solstice and spring solstice, you do a, a 72 hour gig, like you lift some weights in the morning and then you don't eat again for like two days or, or whatever and call it, call it good. But, um, the, the extremism that I see people applying this versus just like, Hey man, find a, a you know, good protein level, um, find a training program that you like found an, find an outside sport. Like this is one of the things that CrossFit got right is, you know, learn and tinker with new sports. Um, that just seems to provide so much more because you get community and you get, you, you know, new neuro neurological Yeah, but I mean, Rob, didn't, didn't CrossFit fuck this up? Remember, it was like three on, one off, and then it become like, uh, and then it was like uh, three times a day, every day for six months. Where if like, you know, three on, one off is good. Like if I, well, what if I just do seven wads in one day and I just do that every day forever? Th that that was the 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 bugger, the thing that attracted to me to CrossFit initially, and, and uh, Greg is a, a real student of economics. He had a real orientation towards um, return on investment, minimum investment, maximum return. And they, they had some good shit with, with, in that regard, you know, like deadlifts and handstand pushups, uh, uh, pull-ups and thrusters. Like there's some, it, you, there's some high return on investment with, with stuff like that, but it shifted from, uh, what's the least that you can do to get the maximum return to how much can you do without dying? And that's where it, it kind of lost the, the thread. So, I mean, but, but is this human nature that if something, if one is good, a hundred is better. I mean, it seems like, uh, you know, 
that, and this is where we, I sometimes wonder with power athlete, uh, you know, in our company and you know, you do some example fit in that is like, we are this kind of like non crazy person approach. Like, Hey, you want to do it fast? Maybe like once or two, twice a year. And so like, we well, probably don't need it uh, every day. Well, I'm not going to eat any meat. I'm only going to eat vegetables. No, you should probably eat some vegetables and some protein. Uh, should I do, you know, nothing but metabolic conditioning? No, you should lift some weights. Should I do nothing but lift weights? No, nah, you should lift weights and do some metabolic conditioning because you need to be in shape. This kind of like well-rounded deal. But the problem is, is that the most polarizing shit is usually what separates people from their pocketbook mm-hmm. the fastest. Like one of my favorites is uh, Luke made me watch this uh, YouTube video for like the Kino body dude who was oh, like, who, who was doing the... Uh, uh, the fucking American psycho. Yeah. And, and, you know, and he I wake I mean, up every morning and do a thousand crunches. Yeah. He, he did like the total American psycho and it was all for fasting to get him into this keno body and the dude's fucking jacked. I'll give him that. But I guarantee he's not jacked because of what he's doing. I mean, he's probably doing it too, but with some other things and like, it's this whole fucking thing, but you're like selling this image of, and, and I've, I've always believed that the more fringe and the more extreme it is, the easier the buy-in. Like the age-old Hitler, if you're going to tell a lie, tell a big one. Nobody believes a small lie. <laughs> right. Right? And, and it's yeah, true. It's, it's true. like, it's it, true. you know, I mean, that's kind of why, <laughs> as I was laughing listening to Michael Rose, uh, you know, his, like, like I said, man, the Fruit Flies was by far the most compelling uh piece of evidence that I've heard for the paleo diet and any ancestral diet since I read your book. And that was like 10 years ago. So like the, but the problem is, is that the fruit flies thing is not, how's the word like sexy enough or extreme enough for the, you know, people would rather hear that there was, you know, 40,000 years ago, there were these dudes that were lean and jacked and they were on the Serengeti and they had no illness or sickness and they could fight bears. And, you know, this is how they ate. And it's like, you like that's a more romantic story to tell and therefore i think it will encompass and be able to make believable for a lot more people opposed from this super uber uber intelligent you know phd you know evolutionary biologist getting up there and talking about you know hey we saw longevity and health with uh, ancestral diet with fruit flies and like well- and, you know, the funny thing, and this is something that I talked to Matt about uh, in seeking advice, if we're trying to help people, which we arguably are, stories are what motivate folks. Uh, like, not that many people are motivated by by facts and figures and, and research. A, a very few people are. The the masses are motivated by stories and, and uh, pictures of transformation and whatnot. And this is, again, where I would give Matt a a hat tip where he's like, okay, Roger that. I got it. And this is where Matt is is actually remarkably non-dogmatic. He he was like, okay, I'd never really thought about it like that. If we want to reach a broader audience, here is how you tell that story so that you're both scientifically credible and you've got something that can motivate people to make a a change in a modern hyperpalatable food world. You know, but but to your point, John, it, it um, it's not the snake diet. It, it even you know, like Whole Thirty has done some great stuff. But like I predicted, what what would the very first uh, Paleo FX? I think it's like eleven years ago now, or something like that. They're like a, they had a panel which they've had each year, the the state and future of Paleo, and they're like, what's going to happen with the Paleo diet? And I said, somebody's going to take the basic technology. They're going to get a brandable, trademarkable term that defines it. They're going to draw some really arbitrary but strong lane lines in the sand, and they're going to ride off into the sunset. 
And that's what, what, you know, Whole30 is, has done. And they've helped a ton of people. When you look at it scientifically, some of the recommendations, you're like, why are you saying this versus that? But you have to draw a line somewhere. Like you can't do infinite customization right out of the gate. But they were able to tell a story, have a brandable, um, a defensible uh, entity, because using terms like paleo and keto and stuff like that, it's so out in the open that uh, you, you have no control over it. And, and you know, you can't control the horizontal and the vertical and all that jive and, and keep the messaging the way that you want it. Well, I think they did a good job, too, of, uh, you know, setting some very rigid parameters, which it's mm-hmm. like as I was looking at it, I'm like, ah, this feels like it's religious dogma. And when I looked at their things, I mean, I've had people, you know, come to me for years and I look at it and I'm like, this is extremely narrow, which maybe people need to go in that straight and narrow to kind of reclaim their lives. Maybe they've gone yep. too far off the realm and they have to go back like an equal way in the other way. And the whole 30 is extremely rigid. Like uh, you got to go to Sunday school and this is the Sunday school that they've chosen. But uh, right. unfortunately, they <laughs> their story didn't really, I guess, keep with with the I guess you could say the uh, the science of it. So it just you know, they're still over there with this idea that there's, you know, bad foods. And I'm always like, what are they going to come in and steal your wallet? When you're not paying attention. And it's like, you know, sugar is this evil thing. And I'll, I'll tell you, um, you know, the, you know, I always, you know, tell this joke that like, you know, there's no such thing as evil foods, you know, everything done in excess becomes, you know, a crutch. But like, if you look at like Lustig's work and even, you know, I saw that, uh, Rogan's going to have, um, Gary Tobbs on and like, you know, he's, like you said, he's wed to that, you know, the insulin diabetes and, you know, this, uh, you know, whole process of, you know, evil sugar. And like, I think it, that's a good story because it's something one-to-one. Like if you eat too much sugar, insulin goes high and you're fat. That's why you're fat. Okay. Well, I eat too much sugar. And then it's like, I just won't eat sugar then, but it's not that simple. And I think that's what people are always searching for. They're searching for the one-to-one simple, like how do you get rid of drunk driving? I don't know. Don't go to the bar. Don't drink alcohol. Don't get behind the wheel. Okay. If nobody gets behind the wheel after drinking, won't have any drink, uh, drunk driving problem solved. Like that's what people are looking for, for obesity, for strength. I mean, and the other hard one is people would rather, this is the one that I still can't wrap my head around. People would rather look strong than actually be strong. So Mm -hmm. we sell this idea of strength and training and, you know, this progression and the whole deal. And at the end of the day, I think most of the society would be like, I just want to look like I do something. I don't really care if I can do it. I don't really give a shit. I just want to give the outwardly appearance that I do something. Right. Right. Well, aesthetics are evolutionary drivers. So, I mean, it kind of makes sense, but yeah. 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 But but it's funny trying to, trying to push this stuff and um, wanting it to grow, wanting it to succeed, but then also still being able to pick up the phone and have Matt not like just scream at you and be like, you're a sellout, you piece of shit. I don't want to talk to you anymore. Like that, that, that's been kind of my lane lines where I'm like, Oh, do I do this thing? I'm like, Oh, John and Matt would never talk to me again. So Mm -hmm. the answer is no, I don't do this. (laughs) Well, but I mean, uh, for the most part, like, um, I think, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, and I've said it a million times, like it always goes back to the idea, like in uh, Goodwill Hunting, when he's like, you'll be serving my kids fries. He's like, at least I won't be unoriginal. Like, I think that's the thing I constantly think about is like, uh, you know, I like to, you know, hopefully move in an original way towards an original conclusion and be the first one to, you know, point a finger and say, hey, like, like this information was extremely insightful. This is where it came from. And I, the one thing which I, re- I realized is really the, 
the crux between the people like us and all those other fucking Charlotte and crooks is that they are so they're the first ones to say, yeah, I invented this. You know, they're, you know, they, this is all mine. Whereas I think we point to it and say, Hey, you know, I didn't invent this stuff. These are the people I learned from. These are my mentors. You know, this is where the information and it's an open book. You can follow, I, I, I can show you the progression. I can show you how this whole thing fits together. Whereas I think the people that are more successful is like, here's this curtain and the wizard is back there, but you can't see him. <laughs> And, and, and like, and, and the problem is, is that takes a fucking huge amount, like, and maybe, you know, people don't even realize it or maybe they do, but that just makes you a fucking, you know, snake oil salesman. You're just going from town to town, peddling your fucking shit. I, I, um, so you guys have probably followed the rise of this carnivore thing, right? Carnivore. Yeah. 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 No, I, I listened to, uh, uh, the Sean Baker dude on Rogan. And, uh, and then I, you know, we've obviously had Chris Bell on and Chris Bell's a big proponent of it. Yeah. You, you know, an, an interesting element of that, like a, a, my initial thought around that was to just completely dismiss it, but my background was in autoimmune and cancer research. And I started finding these stories like Michaela Peterson and a, a number of other people. Her story is amazing. She had a type of juvenile onset rheumatoid arthritis that, hit her at the age of two and afflicted her whole life. The age of 17, she had an ankle and a hip replaced and she was in super uh, crippling depression, like all kinds of problems. She went paleo and things kind of improved. She went low carb, they improved and then they got worse. Uh, she went autoimmune paleo, which I, I, I will, I'll, I'll hold my hand up. And like the first time that the term autoimmune paleo was published was in my my first book. And it, it, in talking with Matt Lalonde, we had found that a lot of people benefited remarkably from a basic kind of paleo diet, but there were people for whom it didn't work. And so we got in and we're like, okay, maybe um, other seeds are problematic. Maybe the peels of fruit are problematic. Maybe nightshades are problematic. And so we threw this stuff out there and it, I would argue it's helped some people, but it's, it, it's honestly been really lackluster and it's still very, very early, but this carnivore thing, if done right and for the right people, I think could be absolute magic for a host of gut and autoimmune related issues. Like it, it, it could make the whole autoimmune paleo concept like absolutely worthless as like an operating system compared to to uh, uh, this this carnivore approach. I just thought it was the rich guy want to eat steak every meal diet. It, yeah, it, daily it, there's that there, there's there's that but there's I mean, also like there's a there's an undercurrent of some really sick fucked up broken people that had horrible gut issues horrible systemic uh, autoimmune systemic inflammatory issues and the last thing that they did was like just through trial and error they're like okay if i eat a steak i don't feel that bad if i eat a steak with a salad i feel terrible so i'll ditch the salad and they end up just kind of you know, whittling things down. And some people do kind of a, a snout to tail version of, of carnivore and they have some, some seafood and some eggs and maybe a little bit of dairy. And then other people like Michaela Peterson and her dad, uh, Jordan Peterson, they're what I call one cut carnivore. Like they end up finding a singular cut of meat that they end up sticking with. And we just uh, had Michaela on my podcast this morning and we did some advanced testing on her through our, our clinic and looked at, her lipoproteins and her vitamin status and everything. 
And dude, she is shockingly healthy. No and shit. Her, her, and most importantly, is that her all of her symptoms of rheumatoid arthritis are in complete remission wow. and have been for like two years. But you know what's like what, what's her what age? Makes How old me, is she? You know what makes me nervous She's about like that? Twenty four. Wow. Is like someone's going to hear that who doesn't have that issue or doesn't take the time to go get panels and and their blood work done and they'll be like, well, I'll work for Michaela Peterson. I'm just going to fucking do it and eat a ribeye every day. Well, you know, like how, where is the, how, why, why do people avoid the caveat or the, uh, you know, the very specific individual because uh, that it works for? what we were just talking about, the, the more, the most extreme thing. Just because it's extreme. Yeah, well, it, it's extreme. Yeah. Like, I'll tell you this, if, uh, yeah, I mean, I personally like to eat some cruciferous vegetables. I know when I got all my genetic stuff done through uh, that genomics um, deal at MIT. Uh, one of the, the, like the very first things came up was like, um, genetically my chance of, you know, based off of all this research, my chance of getting like all of these, you know, cancers and everything is, is, is like lopped in like in half and then in half again, if I consume uh, a certain amount of cruciferous vegetables every single day. And I was like, mom, I dig eating cruciferous vegetables. And I, I'm like, that's an easy day. I'm like, last night we had steak and Brussels sprouts. I mean, it's like, uh, like that's an easy play for me, but I, I think for some people, uh, you know, it could potentially, but the one thing I have a hard time with is, is the single cut of meat. Uh, I try to eat, I try to eat numerous types of meat, uh, different types of cuts, uh, you know, uh, organ meats and this, I mean, I, I try to really vary it. I mean, I think we, who, who was it? Rhonda Patrick, who was on uh, Rogan's deal. I listened to, um, you know, she talked about what was it like two ounces of, of liver, um, you know, every <clears throat> week, you know, so I'll, I'll literally like grind up the liver and I put it in my ground beef and I eat that like one, you know, one, two meals a week. And, uh, just a little bit of variety. Like, I mean, do I want to eat a filet every time or a ribeye or this? I just, it like, I don't know. It just maybe it's counterintuitive, but I constantly think I go back to what uh, Tom Inkledon said: the people that eat the greatest variety of foods tend to be the healthiest people. So, you know, maybe taking that. But there's a, there's a, there's also a flip side to that: that the peop, the healthiest people may be able to eat the whitest variety. Right. Of food. Right. Sure. Sure. You know? So and then and that, this is. Go ahead, Rob. Yeah. You know, so this is just what it's why I wrote a it's like 60 pages long, like carnivore diet 101. That's going to be some sort of a ClickBank ebook deal. And I I, I take a pretty cautionary approach to it on the one hand, where I could argue doing um, fecal transplants, move to the tropics, get sun on your skin every day. Like there's a a, there's if, if there's 12 things you should do. Um, carnivore diet is maybe number 13. Like it's kind of the last fucking thing. To, well, to uh, Rob, that, that said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't just stick it in the catapult and jettison it because it's it, so one of the, the most vocal people that I've found who is criticizing the carnivore diet, uh, has built quite a name, um, based around autoimmune paleo. And this individual has used a, a lot of kind of ad hominem attacks there's no studies to support it. It's all anecdotal. <laughs> and it's kind of like, hey, asshole. Who's this? Thing Who's this? Know, I'm not going to throw this person under the what, bus. Uh, uh, dude, uh, no, nobody listens to this podcast. We'll bleep it. Yeah, yeah we'll bleep this podcast. It'll, it'll make it around. But yeah, we'll what, bleep it out. What, what, what was ironic is that um, the 10 years ago, 
there wasn't a single study looking at autoimmune paleo. It was all anecdotal. It was only anecdote that created enough interest to get some researchers to fund this stuff and look at it. Now there's a, there's a couple yeah. of like uh, autoimmune paleo interventions for uh, gut issues, for Hashimoto's, a couple of things yeah. like that. And it's pretty impressive, but it, it, it's fascinating to me that, that you know, these folks um, change the rules to, to throw this other thing under the bus when it, it's exactly it, other people were doing the same thing to the concept that they built their, their brand around 10 years ago. Well, what I loved is uh, when Sean Baker was on Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan asked him like, oh, do you have any blood work? And he's like, no. And uh, like, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, like Joe Rogan and these guys are chastising him for blood work. And I'm laughing, thinking like, how much blood work does Joe Rogan have? Like, like is, uh, you know, are, are, are people now like I, I just love the fact that people are like, well, you, you don't have any blood work to support this. I'm like, well, do you have any blood work to support yours? How often do you get your fucking blood work done? And right. it just seems this like and, uh, you know, I, I think uh, Sean was. Um, thrown into a fucking viper's den on that one he just seems like a you know he seems like a nice dude this is what i'm doing uh i just don't know uh in that situation like if, if i knew i was going in there and i was going to discuss this thing i would have come in with some form something backing it up i wouldn't have been like no i don't have any blood work i've been like yeah no i've got my blood work done every three months everything looks really good i've had these collection of people also do this so that at least there is some uh, you know, cause the last thing people want to do is hear, Hey, this guy's an MD and an orthopedic, um, you know, which is more like a car mechanic for the body. And then, you know, to not have any type of, uh, you know, blood work or any, you know, everything's just anecdotal. I just felt better, you know? And then it's like, ah, oh, I'm really right. good at rowing. Like I was listening to it and, um, you know, you can see how this whole thing kind of goes and uh, yeah, it just, yeah, it like, I, I can see what you're saying. I just, uh, I think the problem comes down to that, you know, the people that have benefited are the ones that have, you know, see, you know, maybe had like the most amount of, let's say, trauma or inflammation. And that this, you know, by removing these things, it's allowed them, you know, and also a high protein diet where it very well might cure some or fix some things that allows her to kind of transition back into a more, you know, well, right. I guess you could say paleo right. diet. Yeah, absolutely. But so yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, yeah I mean, pe people love to kick holes. I mean, I remember in, I think it was 99, 2000, uh, you know, when I went back into the Eagles and we were discussing like, you know, they, they don't, the, uh, I remember Rick Burkholder and those guys were asking me about the diet stuff. And I was talking about Morrow's, uh, recommendations, which is pretty paleo, you know, other than the carb refeed where he told me to go eat some pizzas. But, um, you know, they were like, Oh, that's really high in saturated fatty. Sure. You should be eating that much protein. I'm like, well, I was the only dude over 300 pounds that you've ever tested at 10% in the body, in the bod pod. What do you guys think? And they were like, Right. Oh, okay. Like, like that anecdotal piece <laughs> right. was what convinced them. Not the fact that like, it just fucking blows my mind. Like, like regardless of what you tell people at the end of the day, if like, you know, it's kind of like CrossFit and Glassman. Oh yeah. This stuff's so great. Why are you in such bad shape? You know, it's like, ah, oh, fuck. You know, it's funny. It's yeah. funny. So, hmm. So, Rob, on the, the Petersons and taking that single cut approach, do you think, would you anticipate, and maybe this is crystal ball shit, that they would have to eventually shift it up like it won't work forever? I don't know. Like, there's a, I'm blanking on the gal's name, um, Charlene, something like that. She's been doing this for 20 years. She's mm -hmm. in her late 50s and she is hot. <laughs> really? Oh, oh, yeah. Uh, like, we got to, we got to pull her up. I'm Googling. So th Talk this, amongst is, yourself. this is an interesting thing too, is like all like these gals hot? going, 
she's hot for like a 58 year old woman. Um, well, Rob, we're getting kind of old. That's really not that old anymore. No, it, it, it's not funny enough, but um, I mean, Charlene Anderson, and Charlene Anderson. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. Got some images. She's pretty fucking good looking. All right. And so far she's been, initial eye test. Rob, we got it up on the big screen where your face should be. All right. Click okay. on that bikini one. Meat heels. Oh, go the one where she's wearing the hat right over there. The hat one. Yeah. yeah right there. Which one? Uh, left right there. That right there. Yeah. Let's see that one. Huh? So for our listeners, the story does check out. She is that her <laughs> with right, is that her next to him? I, I think that's her right there. Oh, that's her. Who's the guy? Uh, that guy? Is I that Sean Baker? I don't know who that is. I was going to say Sean Baker's I was, carnivore diet. I was going to say, looking at these yeah. pictures, the only thing the carnivore diet doesn't fix is Sean's hairline. Hey, oh, everybody! <laughs> no, yeah, Rob. Uh, story checks out. She's pretty smoking. Yeah, wow. In, that's Charlene in the, Anderson. People. So she's she's been a one cut carnivore for twenty years. And she's tinkered. Is she a serial monogamous like, carnivore? Is that is, is, is that where we're going with just one cut? A serial uh, like a serial monogamous? <laughs> something like that. But it, it's uh, <laughs> it, 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 Luke. It's a really good question. I don't have a good answer. Like I, I would still. Um, what's I would her cut of meat? Towards the notion that that uh, what's her cut of meat? Does he say it, what her it's? Cut? Uh, it's like a ribeye or something. Okay. Ribeye or a fillet, like one of the fattier if, cuts of meat. If you had to pick one cut of meat to eat for the rest of your life. Man. And I knew it was going to be like, I knew there'd be no adverse health effects. Like this would be my meat. Heels. No, like, like somebody says to you, uh, you get to eat nothing other than this one cut of meat. That's all you get for the rest of your life. Mm. I know what mine would be. I think the porterhouse is a good Kobe yeah. fucking tomahawk. It's got to be the Kobe tomahawk. It's it's the it's the cut that keeps on giving, dude. It's <laughs> it's the the bison Kobe fucking tomahawk that we had at the Power Athlete Speakers Dinner at the symposium. That cut would be my cut forever. You could go way worse than that. Oh, there's, dude, there's that bone, lot, like, of, yeah, the, yeah. The meat on the bone when you rip it off and you get that little, like the, uh, like the, what do you call it, like the tendon, paramecium, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That's dude, and it's chewy, like that to me, like somehow something within the Michael Rose genetics that awakes my genetics, and like <laughs> I, I fucking get, I like, I don't know, like there's something. Um, you get a little frisky doing that. Ah, dude, it's weird. Like I either want to like fight or, or like kind of like hump something, but ripping meat can off, it be both? Oh, even better. <laughs> ripping the meat off of the bone and then like seeing the clean bone and then like or like getting the little pieces off, like that to me is like there's something so part of what I was thinking it was almost like ribs because there's a certain satisfaction to stripping that down but mm -hmm. uh the tomahawk ticks both boxes i like Bingo. that oh yeah no yeah. so yeah i mean yeah. I, so we're just gonna need what a couple hundred thousand but, of those but like in all seriousness i think that would be it yeah it's got to be uh, <laughs> then so, you get to use the bones as like potentially as weapons you never know bone broth yeah bone oh, broth so get some marrow yeah. Yeah. So no, I, 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 yeah. I, I don't know if you guys want to divert a, a ton into this whole carnivore gig, but when I started doing some poking around like mid Victorian uh, militaries, particularly navies, some of them relied heavily on dried meat and dried fish. And they had little to no problems with um, uh, scurvy, burberry, um, you know, vitamin B and vitamin C deficiencies, the navies that relied more on like these hardtack biscuits and rice were, were so crushed by uh, uh, vitamin deficiency problems that they, they oftentimes were 
hard press. They would negotiate um, truces because they, their their military force was so sick they couldn't fight. And and so it, it, again, super anecdotal on John to your point, like these you know just so stories and everything. But it was really interesting. Rob, I, I uh, dude, I actually talked with Parsley about this today. That sometimes the anecdotal stuff is by far the most impactful. Like, I mean, just, um, you know, you talk about like, uh, you know, I was talking with Doc uh, about like, you know, the idea of like longevity and we were talking about some of the performance enhancing. And he's like, honestly, he's like the, the bodybuilding community and what we've seen with like power lifters where you have these power lifters that are taking these massive amounts of drugs and you have the bodybuilders taking the same mass amount of drugs, but the power lifters don't seem to be dying the way the bodybuilders are. And I was like, well, is it the diuretics? Is this? It's like it's probably the huge fluctuation in, in weight gain, weight loss, and lean to fat that you mm-hmm. don't necessarily see with the power lifters. And then he's like, all. Oh, and then he also made a good point that the amount of drugs that they that they take and their anecdotal, you know, like observations are by far so much impactful because there's no way to ever study because you'd never ever get any, uh, you know, sign off to be able to be like, oh, this guy's going to take a gram a day of testosterone. Let's see what happens. And all of a sudden you have these power lifters or bodybuilders doing these things and they're not dying. And their hematocrit isn't, you know, like a fucking 300 where all of a sudden they're having sludge in the veins. Like, like I just think a lot of the, you know, the, the clinical information and maybe like the, you know, the text about this stuff is written and it just goes to show that like what these guys are doing on the other side is kind of disproving all the other stuff that, you know, the medical community looks over and they go harumph, harumph. And, uh, that was a comment that doc made, I mean, partially where he's like, sometimes these anecdotal stories are by far, um, the most impactful and the most accurate just because, you know, hey, uh, you know, I did this and we all did this and we all got the same effect. This has mm-hmm. this effect, you know, regardless of, you know, maybe what the what it says. So I'm, I'm big on uh, on some of the anecdotal stuff. I mean, um, you know, that was I think when we start discounting that stuff with like, oh, there's no research being like, dude, there's a lot there, there's there's very few research on a lot of things that we've known to be true. So right. you know, I'm, I, I, I buy the anecdotal stuff, especially with. You know, I mean, a lot of the information just for within power athlete and strength conditioning were things that I tested or things that I observed. And then it just so happened that the observations were accurate based off of some other research. I mean, like I said, we had Dr. Chris Morris. On, yeah, that was crazy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's t- he's studying and like testing these things that were, I mean, very real observations and things that I knew within my own. And uh, like as I'm talking with him. Uh, the cooler part was he emailed me in 2011 as a grad student to try to run a study on the CrossFit football page mm. and uh, wanted to use it for his master's and his PhD work. And then I guess we we kind of, it fell off. I guess the guy who was his advisor was like, you can't use CrossFit. So he kind of just went by the wayside, but he's like, I emailed you. I wanted you to do this study with your program. I'm like, fuck, you know, at the end of the day, do we need a study to know that if you lift weights consistently, do some short, heavy, hard Metcons and uh, sprint that you'll get bigger and stronger. Like, come on. Like, I don't know if we need a study for that. Yeah. Rob, he's, right. he's the guy or he, I don't know if he did he coin fluid periodization. Is that was yeah, his coin term, yeah, which is essentially which like, our inherent periodization. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, has, has gotten a lot of traction on it. I guess it's like kind of the buzz now in like the strength coach circles where, you know, using technologies like Omega wave or velocity based training units, you can, you, you should flex your volume or intensity based off the feedback you're getting because you're probably going into like distress versus use stress. Mm. So, and he's like, you know, if, if, I didn't have any of this technology and I, I was programming for thousands of people. I'd probably use the rep max model just like, you know, you guys do. And it was just like, interesting. 
interesting to hear him. Uh, well, and then also he follows he follows stuff. two of our programs. And yeah, he's like, yeah. that's the reason that I follow all your stuff. That's so this cool. dude who's got this whole fluid periodization and like, you know, this this KU uh, performance guy and everything. We're having this great Ph.D. talk. And he's like, yeah, no, I just pay for your programming. He's like, it's, it's, <laughs> which is, is fucking cool as shit for me. I mean, but like, as he's talking about this yeah, fluid periodization, man. I'm like, mm-hmm. man, this is, uh, this is my inherent periodization model where, you know, you use rep maxes and then based off of those rep maxes, you pick a percentage for the compensatory acceleration work. And then those drive, uh, you know, the rep max or, uh, um, like the rep work followed by like the unilateral volume and all these kind of key factors that play. And it, it was, uh, it was, it was extremely validating and, What's funny is yet there's people out there who are still doing nonsense and, but you know, maybe the story is better or maybe we don't have enough shirtless selfies to get them in. Mm-hmm. Even though we did put some shirtless selfies. Yeah, up, we which, did. It's a, I noticed that you guys dude. have been rolling out a few more. Yeah. Well, man, you, yeah. you know, we're just doing what you do. Like man, Rob's all shirtless all over his social looking like a savage. So we might as well get well, Jay Welly up there. <laughs> and uh, again, hat tip to you guys. John wrote up a, a two day a week template for me. God, John, like almost 10 years ago, eight yeah. years ago. Yeah. Yep. God, That's it, crazy. It's yeah. been a long time, but it, it was a, um, kind of a, 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 a rep max deal, never with a, a bar speed that really slowed down, uh, run that for, for anywhere from one to three weeks and then take a, a slice out of that, maybe 80% of that and do some compensatory acceleration work, um, run the same movements, one or two cycles of that, and then pick a different movement pool and do the exact same thing. And again, like I'm no, huge physical specimen, but I spend less than an hour a week in the gym doing strength and conditioning. And at 165, 170 pounds, almost 50 year old dude doing jujitsu, like I don't feel other people's weight until they're like 80 pounds heavier than I am. Like it it just, it doesn't matter. Like I've got good technical jujitsu, but also just my, my um, physicality base from doing Doing that, doing some some very modest uh, sprint and change of direction work, my my physical structure is so well dialed in that like I'm able to just go whole hog into the jujitsu and I just kind of ping pong back and forth between that. And I've thought about trying to improve it at various points. But again, when I overlay like the um, the anti-aging characteristics, the mobility characteristics, like kind of like, I don't know that I could really improve on that. And it's so ridiculously simple, but, but there's, but there's a lot of detail and nuance to it. And, and, uh, 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 implicit is the need to change and modify things as you get feedback and kind of tweak and, and go from there. Well, our, our big one, I remember, uh, in that template writing, it was the idea of bar speed. Uh, mm-hmm. that basically you work up to a rep max based off of, you know, the rep max gets cut when the bar slows down. If there ever comes a point where all of a sudden you grind, that's it. And I think by keeping that, you never really get into this over fatigue state and you're always able to move pretty fast and then you're able to do the speed work. And then by rotating the movements, I mean, we saw that there was a detraining effect. If you train the same movements, at least from some of the Russian stuff, you know, over 90% at three weeks, but then also alternating through the movement, I think, uh, you know, even though we're doing, you know, hinge 
changing X, Y, and Z, you're still loading it. And, uh, you know, for somebody who's training two days a week, it just seems to work really well. Now, if they, they went to like four days a week, the programming would have to be a little bit more. You start, you know, bouncing between like bilateral and unilateral movements and, mm-hmm. you know, this and this, but for the most part, it was just a very simple two day a week. And, uh, yeah, it always like whenever you tell me that, I'm like, that was pretty good program, man. I'm I'm glad that it's uh, been able to uh, like go on as far as it has. I mean, it just that's that's awesome. I, I I would be shocked if I end up doing it. Like if I live another 50 years, I'll be surprised if I do anything really qualitatively different hmm. than that. Maybe I don't know. I mean, maybe that's putting up a, a block there, but I just don't know what what you would do. I do bodybuilding? Do I you know I drop in a little bit of of uh, gymnastic stuff in there. I do some rope climbs. I do some, some uh, ring work here and there more for mobility stuff, but I'm kind of like, what else am I going to do? That's going to get those physical characteristics. You know, it's just well, like, but you I get so really much conditioning control. and like so much isometric work and so much push and pull through the jujitsu that like, if you weren't doing the jujitsu, then we just have to do, it be like, Hey, I'm going to do some sled pushes and I'm going to do, right. you know, some heavier right. med ball work. And, um, you know, and the one thing that, uh, you know, when I went back and looked at kind of some of the stuff that I had done when I was playing in the NFL, uh, there was a huge amount of this like dynamic med ball work. I would use heavy balls to throw. And then I would use a lighter ball for like reactive different positions, set and punch and I would work all my technique usually either throwing or moving the with the med balls and um you know the all the med ball gpp stuff from charlie francis was huge um the idea of like hey I'm going to do all this work in like a, a a non uh you know non specific to my sprint patterning so that I'm getting conditioning in a different way I mean it just really makes sense. But I think there's a, an idea of like, people got to go, you, you, you got to go hard and you got to go heavy to get motor unit recruitment. You got to move speed and speed becomes even more important as you get older because you know that, uh, you know, it's gotta be heavy, but then you also got to move a fast weight. And then you, you know, like you do, you still got to do a little bit of bodybuilding or a little bit of something to came some muscle reps. I mean, uh, some muscle mass. And then I think just a ton of isometric work within the trunk, which I think you're getting. Uh, and then I also think what's keeping you young is the fact that you get to choke your wife out. <laughs> so Rob, Rob sucked Nikki, his wife, into jujitsu. And every time you guys post pictures, I just imagine you getting her like in a rear naked and like choking her with her own gi and her just being so pissed and be like, I can't believe you choked me out. You're like, good. I'm going to choke you out tomorrow. <laughs> I, I let her go about a year without really tapping her that much because I did I didn't want to eject her seat out, but now I'm starting to lay a little bit of lumber on her a little bit. But Nikki's there you getting go. good, dude. Nikki's Nikki, getting, Nikki's good. strong. Like yeah, she's uh, yeah. she's got like uh, some you know like like just physically like she's a little like shorter limb, longer torso, and so she, I know she's got some leverages like some shorter like kind of uh, um, levers. And I was like, I bet you she's probably pretty de- decent at that. She, she's pretty good. And uh, 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 she got into it when I finally hit a slipstream of some really, really good coaching. So like, she's never really had bad habits to undo. So like her, her, uh, her game is legit. Like she's a year into it, like uh, almost to the day and uh, she's getting good. She's, she's a handful to, to deal with. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, like uh, God forbid some dude tries to like fucking take her purse or do something and she just, you know, ends up fucking gouging his eye and fucking <laughs> arm barring him on the ground, <laughs> which I think is always the, uh, you know, you're like, God, like I, I always thought this from like the fight stuff. Like if I was ever, you know, met on the street in a stressful situation, like what would I default to? How would it go? And that was always a big thing. And I remember when I actually that happened, like not in like a schoolyard fight, but actually like kind of like a real fight. 
Uh, it's amazing. Like you will default to whatever you've practiced the month, uh, the, the mm-hmm. most. And mine was literally like a snapping jab with a big right, o- you know, over the top and fucking right. crushed a dude's fucking face. And I remember thinking like that one is exactly as I practiced, you know, the thousands of times. Thank God that went right. Cause if I had, right. this would have been fucking bad. You know, but but also doing the fight like, uh, you know, you're in jujitsu, you're in class. And all of a sudden, if you got into a situation, you've trained so much within it that you're not overly stressed and do something stupid. You kind of get that level of, you know, of calmness, which I think is so beneficial to most people in stressful situations. Yeah, because it's it's interesting whenever you get a new white belt in it, it it's it, we have a very mellow school. We we preach mellowness and everything. But uh for the new white belts, it's kind of a shit show. It's kind of a fight. And uh, we, we've had a couple of guys that are 250, 260, real wired up. Um, guys that are doing like some of the Pavel Satsuline stuff. Like they're, you know, strong first. They're strong and they're, they're, they're pretty good movers. And it's a handful, but it, it's interesting if I just relax. And I, I, um, I think about it like a wood chipper. Like if I, if you have a big branch and you just put the leaves into a wood chipper, you can get the rest back. But if you put some decent amount of branches in there, like it's taken the whole thing. And so what I've learned is with these big, strong dudes, I only give them leaves. I don't give them full branch. Like I I don't give them anything that they're just going to like gobble up and, and take that whole thing. Noted for any of the smaller guys in the room on our side of the screen, Rob. You know, I, I have a rule to stay roughly 76 inches away from John <laughs> at all times, because I figure that's what, if, if he decides to strike at some point, you know, uh, I, that's about my escape uh, buffer. I think. We were just looking at a picture of uh, Bo Colombo, uh, and I was like, ah, oh, like he, he's got one of our shirtless selfies. I'm like, what are all those bruises? And he's like, there was some big dude at my wedding who was punching Bo in the stomach and just so happened that the uh, where the suspenders <laughs> are were getting driven in and caused bruising. I was uh, like, what, what idiot would get drunk? could punch people at your wedding he's like <laughs> spoiler alert I was, he's like Big guy. i don't know if it was me but it could be somebody uh, else in this room yeah so i guess any of the listeners who are looking at one of the before and after pictures <laughs> thinking like what's that tubby guy got all over his body well those are like the aftermath like, are, are those hickeys well-worn jabs <laughs> into his suspenders uh, uh, I, uh yeah i did i just revert man i have like a couple drinks and like that was like my brothers we would like have a couple drinks and then you just haul off and punch each other each other and you're like oh that's a good one yeah no 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 one was complaining yeah. it was like kind of like, kinda like uh, it, it was um uh do you remember in like police academy when the guy goes over uh the one dude um with all the guns goes Hightower? Up, yeah no um was it hightower no hightower was a black dude it was uh tackleberry goes over yeah, to that girl's house yeah, yeah, and yeah. like the dad and the brother like punch each other in the face like oh that was a good one dad <laughs> like hits him with the frying pan he's like oh you really got me and he's all like weirded out that's kind of like my brothers. We just fucking haul off and just like they'd be in the middle of a bar and then like just punch each other and have people be like, whoa, that was so uncool. And you're like, no, 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 that was no, a good one. Fine. I'm, yeah, I'm going to get him later. And they're like, you guys <laughs> together? Fuck, that hurt. And then some dude just ends up getting fucking smashed. I, I, I just like the, uh, when John described it's Ed, right? It, yeah, my he, brother Ed. Uh, it's so he's 6'2", 240, kind of brick shit house. And John's like, yeah, he was the little one. So he's built like that and he's got a Napoleonic complex. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> uh, my, the run. my brother Eddie is fucking smart and uh, oh. has a very sharp wit and uses it like a, like a fucking bullwhip. 
Uh, well, dude, all he, I know is I, that guy gets a Christmas card from me, and I, I, I don't mess with him at all. So. Yeah, he, uh, <laughs> dude, my, my, like the one thing you really don't want to do is uh, is anger my brother or like kind of like I mean like I don't mean like that, but like if you ever try to like fucking like get aggressive or quip or any of the shit, like you can ask Luke. Like he fucking turns on you so fast, you're like, whoa, I I didn't. We're not friends anymore. Like he's. Uh, <laughs> Uh, he's fucking dude. He, he's a sh- talented. I mean, like he's talented in that space. You know. Yeah, I mean that's why sense. he's he's a high prince defense attorney. I mean, dude, he was just on a case on like, uh, you know, on TV and this whole thing. I mean, he's very very good at it, and he's fucking dude. He uh, yeah, like if if it comes down to like a battle of wits or something, dude, he's he's on but it. he's he, he's been like that our entire lives. Like I remember being like, I'll talk shit to anybody. I'm saying I talk shit to my older brother because he's gonna <laughs> fucking say something. It's gonna hurt my feelings for like a week. <laughs> He, he's one of those people that has like the rare ability just to look at you and know that one thing that you don't want to hear come out of his mouth, come out in a way where you're like, Oh fuck dude. Like, I don't know. If Which we is pretty impressive because you're, you're, you're no slouch at no. locker room <laughs> towel snacks. Like you're no. pretty, pretty high level. Oh dude. I, I, I had to survive. I like, I dude, I, you know, I think that's where the, you know, the wit comes from is just the fact that like I had to defend myself daily from my brother, like defend yourself. Ah, oh, fuck. And like uh, his ability to recall shit from like 30 years ago. Hey, you remember when we were like 10 years old? I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> you know, just shit like this. Like um, uh, my family has a place like my mom and dad bought a place in Mammoth, like in the early 70s. And we still have it. And my brother Ed and I have had a continuous ping pong game for roughly like 30 years. So whenever there's a ping pong table, we play. And uh, I don't think I've ever beat him. At least I can't remember ever beating him. And so the hilarious part is I'm like laying there and like they had gone up for uh, after Christmas to go skiing. And like I just get this text message and it's a picture of the pool ta- uh, of the ping pong table we used to play. And he's like still undefeated. And I'm like, this <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you know, and like it, it's it's really it's pretty funny shit. Like and then he was skiing around Mammoth and uh, like I started skiing up there when I was probably two. And we went you know numerous times a year. And it's like one of our, you know, the most fun places we've ever been. But like he's skiing around and taking pictures of like different things and like, oh, you remember you like, like, do you remember when you almost hit that blind skier here? And he's like reliving this and I got my other brother on the text message. And it's pretty funny that like his ability to recall this shit and put it in a way which is uh, kind of demeaning, but like mm-hmm. enough for right. us to laugh. Yeah. He's pretty yeah. good. It's, a, it's yeah. an art, really. Yeah, he's 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 really good at it. Like he'd be good. So no, it's uh, yeah, he's good, dude, in that way. Circling back around, we started this thing off with like the. Uh, demasculization of the the male species and john and i ended up on uh uh, sean baker's um instagram feed like the (laughs) um baker had posted a picture of this vegan doc um yeah and the guy's really smart like he knows his metabolism really well and everything but he looks like if he fell down and got hurt if he had an illness like he would just die like yeah he looked like death warmed over he didn't look yeah good. and so so my comment was hip fracture on aisle five hip fracture on aisle five and this guy like took huge offense you're, to you're an with, internet celebrity how dare you attack people like this yeah and and uh, uh so john and i tried to impart a little bit of uh a little bit of wisdom on this guy but i i think it largely went on unabsorbed but yeah. it was still fun yeah, no, I mean, uh, I always appreciate when you tap me in on things. So like out of nowhere, I'll see like, you know, I'll check my Instagram and they'll be like Rob Wolf. And like, I'll see my name tagged in. I'm like, yes, <laughs> I'm like fucking like uh, like in the 13th warrior where the dude's like <laughs> and he blows in the horn. I'm like, yes, I'm like, just fucking bring me in to try to curb stomp people and hurt their feelings. 
like I, I posted, um, that, uh, that piece actually Rob sent me was, uh, um, the whole thing about, I was like on science alert where they had gone through and there isn't available uh, enough available land for, you know, to go to an, you know, uh, this agriculture society. And like, they went through this whole thing and I posted it up and like the amount of like vegan people that all of a sudden I can see like these people just tagging people trying to get them in the fight. And I'm like, just fucking waiting for this. And it was just some dude who's like, you know, when we learn to use vibration and sunlight and air we can feed ourselves forever and i was like oh jesus like why do i get the weird ones i'm like come on man like while i think you figured out how to not eat with sunlight vibration and air for most people we're not highly evolved like to survive off of that so us lesser people need to you know figure this out we'll slum it with the ribeyes but um (laughs) but i'll I'll tell you this the, the for the most part when i see a lot of the vegans and like um i was you know like like you said, like it, they tend to look kind of frail, not at first, because when you see them, like, oh, I've gone to a vegan diet, they, they look normal. But then when you see the people that have, oh, I've been vegan for 30 years, I'm like, I can tell you look fucking awful. Like it's just and then everybody always goes back to, well, well, there's that one bodybuilder or there's this one guy or Derek Poundstone. I'm like, how, how, how do you guys always have one? Like, it's, it's just like, there's outliers in everything. Like I guarantee if we look at the bell curve, there's one dude. And, you know, um, one of the articles Alon sent me about protein was, uh, you know, obviously they were looking at like different protein sources. Now, like the amount of quality protein from an animal based, uh, source was dramatically higher for like, you know, muscle protein synthesis and circulating amino acids. And then when you start looking at like the plant-based proteins, the amount of plant-based protein that you have to consume to get the sum is like triple to four times. So like Mm -hmm. if I'm eating like, let's say I eat, you know, 300 grams of protein from a, like a, you know, an animal based source, I would have to consume, you know, 1200 grams to get the same effect from, uh, you know, a vegan source. That's a lot of peas. Oh, Jesus. Can you imagine? But like that was, you know, like the thing it's like, oh, this one guy, I'm like, maybe Derek Poundstone's eating like a thousand grams of pea protein. Like, is that the case? But I don't know anybody's going to be able to consume fucking 10,000 calories, you know, on a consistent basis, unless the dude's 300 sounds. And then he's, you know, obviously he's got some other performance enhancing that are increasing protein synthesis. I mean, it's just not the one story. Like he's over there eating a beanstalk and a fucking piece of celery, you know, and like he's jacked. I'm like, you know, or the or, or the other one where we look at, um, you know, like the apes, like the giant apes and like the gorillas. Well, they're vegans, too. And I saw that one. I'm like, dude, if you're going to get into anatomical structure, fuck you. Like, let's I mean, like, let's not even go this route. So, I mean, just look at muscle insertions and densities. I mean, there's a reason that they're strong. Right. Right. So. And they eat all day. Yeah, and they also have huge distended guts. I think they have multiple stomachs. I mean, it's like, I mean, fuck it. It 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 doesn't seem it doesn't seem complicated. I don't know why people are making it so complicated. Well, to your point again, the uh, the fringe is super sexy. Mm-hmm. Profitable. So, I don't know why we haven't gone fringe, but I guess it's that thing again. Well, I keep like, waiting for you to be like, I, I I keep waiting for Rob to be like, hey. I found our fringe. Let's fucking go. <laughs> and I'll be like, okay, this is it. We find, And then we just have to tell everybody, be like, okay, we found the fringe. You guys, do you want to get on the fringe? Because we're all going to do it together. Because I don't want you guys casting stones at me, you fuckers. And uh, we'll find the fringe. Like I always still, and Rob and I have always said that if Glassman had selected a vegan diet for CrossFit, he would have fucking printed his own money. Oh, yeah? Yeah. 
Oh, dude, yeah. can you imagine if he had yeah. paired up? Because I like I, I saw a deal. Uh, RP Strength posted one of their you know uh, deals, and the girl who had I mean pretty amazing transformation in one year. But of course, she was an alcoholic and was an addict. It just so happened that the rehab center she checked herself into, the outpatient was next door to a CrossFit gym. So then she started CrossFitting six times a week, followed this you know extremely rigid diet. I mean, she made incredible gains. But I'm like. Uh, she's already got a little bit of the, you know, the, you know, the attic kind of, you know, deal and all she did was misplace it or sorry, replace it with this. And she's made an incredible life change, which fucking the pictures were, were amazing. But like if, if he had kind of gotten into that, you know, emotional state of dosing people and then gave them, you know, the vegan diet, like every cult on the planet. I mean, when you go to Tony Robbins thing, it's vegetables only because it changes the chemistry and makes you more susceptible to more shit. So I think Glassman missed it. He should have just gone vegan, vegan CrossFitters. Well, Fuck. I, I think he had enough of a desire for legit performance that he couldn't do it. He knew that that was a, a, enough of a dead end that he, he he couldn't do that. Well, dude, but you really think making the claim that you can you can take somebody from a 200 pound to an 800 pound deadlift in two years by doing nothing but lifting deadlifting at a high heart rate. Well, do you think he believed that? Or do you think he just, the fact that like his strength and conditioning knowledge was just non-existent? Uh, I believe it. Man, it's tough. I, I mean, don't know. I, I really don't know. I really don't know. Like I, I, um, the, the thing is, is that beginner effect is so powerful. Like when I first got in there, I had never done anything like that. So the first six months, like I I'd set all kinds of personal records, like sure. I got a standing backflip for the first time and all kinds of different stuff. And then about five to six months in it, things pl- flatlined and then it started regressing and I did what everybody does, which is do more of that same stuff. And then I, finally realized that it was kind of a, a beginner effect and a novice effect and all that type of stuff. I think that, I think you can get people particularly compared to where they started from reasonably strong doing stuff like that, you know, in, in just like a population based deal. But then I, I do think that he, uh, he didn't have enough, uh, uh, exposure to people really at the the kind of elite edges like when uh, josh everett first arrived on the scene he was maybe one of the first people that really had a legit kind of the only thing that kept him out of the olympics was super super tight shoulders like uh, his mobility was so poor that he he really couldn't get a a solid um snatch receiving position and so he had to go with that that split split snatch um but i mean josh just like crushed everything and he was kind of the first like that was a big eye-opener and you could almost see some some fear from greg like uh uh, uh everybody that bergner was training greg was calling them uh frankenfitters you know kind of like trying to do a little bit of a hat tip but also trying to figure out what the fuck was going on because nobody there at the kind of local uh santa cruz scene could do anything like what those guys could do because they had that really elite level um, uh, uh, power development. Yeah, strength and power. 
Yeah, and yeah, and, the and yeah, I mean, uh, he was a football player and developed that at a, at a young age. I mean, if you look at a lot of the guys who come out and are very successful, I mean, Wes Kiltz is another one, or Wes Kitts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was another you know f- football player, you know, Division two guy or one double A, and then comes out and you know, kind of doing some CrossFit, gets picked up, and you know, now he's down at Cal or he's up at Cal Strength. Um, you know, I mean, trying to get to the Olympics as an Olympic lifter. So I think. Uh, you know, look at what Travis Mash and those kids are doing. I mean, he tags me and stuff all the time. And it's like, here's this 15 year old kid and the kid's cleaning like 180 kilos. And I'm like, oh, my God. I mean, so I think we're seeing this, um, you know, this progression and, you know, just exposure. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of that wouldn't have happened without, you know, this you know, CrossFit piece coming into it. I mean, I remember just trying to find a place to Olympic lift. I had to drive 45 minutes and fuck, I can't swing a dead cat without finding barbells and, uh, and bumpers anymore. <laughs> right. You know, we're not actually legit. swinging dead cats legit. here. That's a, yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a, what's a, what's the word? It's an analogy. <laughs> we'll stick with that. Yeah, we'll go with it. Is, is that an analogy? Yeah, I think so. So, I mean, if the cat's dead, you can do whatever you want to. But, so, uh, I usually like to use the swing of dead cat because Rob is a, you know, was a, a big cat lover and had a cat and now has a dog. Oh, yeah. And Rob's dog's pretty I savage. Too. I have a cat, too. Oh, but, uh, you, you, you replaced Keystone? Finally. Yeah. Yeah. So when uh, one of my favorites said, and this isn't because Rob lost his cat, but uh, Rob, you know, had this, you know, cat, uh, Keystone, and he used to write about him as a big deal. And uh, Keystone got out and or something happened and ended up becoming coyote food. And so when we went hunting, <laughs> Rob <laughs> all of a sudden just is taking the fight to the coyotes. And he's like, I see him out there with like coyote blood on his face. And he's like, four Keystone. And I was like, redemption, <laughs> redemption. It, it was awesome. <laughs> it was still, it was still raw at that point. And even though in theory, the coyotes were not supposed to be part of the take list, um, there maybe were multiple shallow graves dug and filled on that, that hunting trip. Uh, yeah. Dude, four keystone. I was still raw. I was still raw. No, I, I, I just love the fact that you were like, uh, I know that these coyotes aren't the coyotes that got keystone, but I'm going to take it to the coyote and uh, just crush the coyotes. Pulls up and there's like a stack of coyotes and they're like, I don't think we're supposed to be shooting coyotes. And, you know, Rob's over there doing the... Uh, um, what was it? Uh, L- uh, Legends of the Fall, where he's like sitting there with the you know the blood on his face and the knife. He's like for Keystone. Had to talk him out of it and bring him in. You know, put a blanket over his shoulders. It was great. That's what I always hope to see. It was cathartic. It was cathartic, and you guys were there for me. So, uh, dude, so what's up? I heard you guys are moving. You know what? It's funny. We really, um, we really kicked the tires on this idea of moving to the uh, kind of Boise area. But um, we really like Reno. So like we we gave it gave it a good um, vetting and went up there and kind of sniffed around. But we've got a really good scene here. I like the Lazy Lobo Ranch. Um, it's tough because the uh, the market in Reno has really exploded. And so we could kind of cash out here and buy something out right there and be kind of footloose and fancy free. But we really like the scene here. So uh, I don't think we're going anywhere. So the move's off. So with Gavin Newsom just doing crazy things in California, people are literally sprinting to Reno. Yes. <laughs> yes. Wow. The, the one downside, it, it, it probably is going to be a five to 10 year expiration date because 
they arrive here and then start doing the same squirrely shit here. So it, uh, there probably is an expiration date on that. But it sounds uh, like Austin. Um, yeah, we're yeah. getting a little bit of that down here. Yeah, there's uh, there's a, a big influx. And I like to think, and I try to explain this to my daughters, that like when you move somewhere, you need to like, you know, assimilate to the culture. I was like, you know, we're from California. We live in Texas. So now we are assimilating and we do things that Texans do. And uh, I was so I'm explaining this to my daughters. So they chew tobacco now, and they yeah. Well, they, uh, they ride each carry six shooters around. Well, they ride horses. They go outside. They play in the creek. I'm like, go outside. We're they not say here. please and thank you. <laughs> yeah, people it's, in the yeah. eye shake their yeah. hands. Exactly, like normal people stuff. And so right. the uh, unfortunately, there's like um, my wife was at you know t- takes a cashew to Montessori and like she's like oh you should see all the California people that pull up I'm like what's it like she's like oh these chicks got huge fake cans bleach blonde hair they're all driving these big Mercedes and she's like uh, are you guys from Orange County oh yeah how'd you guess and she's like oh nothing and just goes on with her way <laughs> she's like holy shit she's like these you know like people come in and like they they don't realize that you know they stand out and it's better just to kind of assimilate to to the local culture that way you know people don't road rage you and drive you off the road well john you and i were in a text thread we were uh, extolling the virtues of uh, moving to poland or the czech republic so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's next up, so that's next no, on the list i that, like that is when we split it's probably it's either going to be like montana wyoming yeah. for like the last stand or it's just going to be like it's, former Eastern Bloc. No, it's uh, it, I, like I have a feeling totally it's good. it's that like uh, Western Montana. Um, well, I mean, Missoula or Missoula is getting a little weird, but like that whole whitefish kind of area, unless too many people, I don't know, weirdos get there. But like I kind of see that whole like northern Wyoming. That's going to be our last stand. That's what I told yeah. Kate. I'm like, uh, you know what? Like when things get too crazy, that's going to be the last stand. And she's like, it's real cold there. I'm like, I know. We'll be fine. Don't worry. I like the cold. <laughs> but yeah, that'll be our last stand. I, I just, I like, I don't know, man. Yeah, there's not too many places left. Well, but, uh, but the other one, and I was trying to explain it as we were, you know, like, uh, I don't know if you saw, there was a whole thing come out about how like this, uh, they were looking at declining birth rates, especially among uh, children born to millennials that like now within this generation, we're having the first like declining birth population or like declining birth rate rather. And like millennials aren't getting married. They're not having kids. And like, it's this, you know, like, you know, this big social problem, like why is this happening? And like, uh, you know, we're on like within our company, uh, company slack where, you know, the guys are kind of posting different things. I'm going through and reading it. I'm like, I don't know, maybe it's just like, you know, a combination, you know, vegan diet, not lifting weights, leaching plastic, all these other things that effectively have just killed libido to the point where people don't want to reproduce anymore. I mean, maybe is that what it's come down to? Or I don't know, maybe just people want to eat ass or do other weird stuff. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. oh Finally got into ass eating on Power Athlete Radio. <laughs> it only took 300 episodes. No, it, it's like I, I like uh, I'm uh, like we're trying to figure this thing out a little bit, but we don't necessarily. I mean, maybe Luke's kind of at the tail end of that thing, but like it's it's a really just interesting thing where, you know, like I, I saw in some of the quotes are like millennials are like, Oh, I don't want to get married. I'm not really interested. And it's like, it, it kind of goes against the Michael Rose, uh, you know, uh, fruit fly thing. Like it, it just like, they're going against the genetic nature of it. And I'm wondering what's altering it. Everything, everything. So you, you think know, it's the just social stuff, the psychological stuff, the environment, the shift in diet, you know, the whole 
the whole ball of wax. I mean, uh, lifting weights now and carrying any appreciable amount of extra muscle is a uh, toxic masculinity now. Oh, so. yeah, you, you did forward me that thing that masculinity, uh, pro- like, or being muscular and looking capable is toxic masculinity as it's defined now because you're bringing note to your or like bringing attention to yourself as being alpha or as being male i think is what is the way i read it which which is great because i have my son who i'm going to try to shield from all this which is going to be awful when he turns 18 and gets out into society and he's like what's going on here and they're like where are you from you know (laughs) superhero he's like "Uh, are you thor i was raised on a ranch in texas with my dad and his friends and we just you guys didn't eat meat and have to lift weights every day no, it's good. I mean, that's I, it's going to yeah. be interesting, man. It's going to be really, the really pen, interesting. The pendulum's got to swing. Well, uh, right? it, it always does, right? I mean, isn't there like an idea where you know, like once things go too far in science, Rob? Where is that? Or like where it goes too far? Like all of a sudden, it swings back in equal way because the world's always in homeostasis. I mean, isn't there? It, it could. And this is some of the stuff that I've gotten myself in hot water on social media. Is the the swing back? Well, though, nobody really listens hard. to this podcast, so you're fine. <laughs> Okay. Okay. But, but it's, it, it, um, people don't appreciate that. It, it, it got a, a Eric Weinstein. He's the guy that was at Evergreen university. And like, uh, uh, it was just, he's been on Rogan a couple of times. I, I, I kind of forget some of the details, but like they historically had had this, um, uh, day of, they would have a day where all the any uh, any people of color would stay home so that people would appreciate the fact that they weren't there and kind of what would the world be like without them they flipped it around and they they made a day of exclusion in which anybody who wasn't technically a person of color wasn't supposed to come to school and weinstein including the professors and weinstein was like hey i've got a teaching load i'm not going to do this and he had death threats and apparently roving bands of students with baseball bats that were looking for him to like remove him from, from school on that day. And there's been all this kind of, kind of interesting stuff that's come out of it, but he's a really smart guy, super progressive in his politics in general, but he made the point that um, there's lots of good things that have happened because of like this kind of progressive mindset and everything but at some point, you push some things to a, to a, a degree that it, um, it it destroys the social cohesion. And then once you destroy the social cohesion, you could have some rebound that's really, really gnarly. And this is some stuff that I've tried to just start some conversations around like, hey, there could be some blowback. And it, it's really reminiscent of, of like talking to some of the neocons, you know, around some of our, our you know, maybe not super well thought out uh, a, a foreign military activity. It's like, Hey, we might create some blowback and destabilize some stuff. It could be really bad. And they're like, no, 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 nothing to see here. You're a, uh, you're, you're Rob, crazy. And Rob's I, I Facebook is pretty good because he'll post this stuff up. And uh, it's always hilarious for me to read the comments because Rob will post this. And like Rob is by far, um, you know, I mean, I heard the term libertarian from Rob, like Rob was the one that sat down and he's like, no, 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 we're libertarians, right? Like fiscally, uh, you know, conservative, you know, socially progressive, but like still like, you know, traditional values and like, you know, less government. And like, as he was explaining, I'm like, oh yeah, it sounds like us. Right. And, 
as we were going through it, like Rob will post some things just to kind of uh, to spark up some conversation or things that are, are, are really just, in, you know, thought provoking. I know if I click on Facebook and I you, you know, I'll, I'll like because Facebook fucking sucks and they delete everything. So you can't see anything. So I have to go kind of search Rob stuff. And it'll always be if I have like 20 minutes for for because I try to limit my social media now. Um, but if I have 20 minutes, I'm like, I'm going to go. I'm going to see what Rob posts. And then at least I get some kind of variation on thought provoking stuff. And I make the mistake of hitting the comments. And there's <laughs> fucking people in there that think Rob is like a right wing religious Trump wearing make America great fucking like neo Nazi. And like. I thought, you know, like, and these people will make these comments and I'm like, Oh, how did you? And then the, the best is where I'll be like, what did you think about me? They're like, Oh, I figured you were walking in the streets with, you know, burning crosses and pointy hats writing this. And it's like, like the assumptions that people make are the guy was like, I can't believe that you're a, you know, a, a you know, not a ultra conservative right wing. Like I, I just, I just, I, and then I'll, I'll, I'll go back and I'll read it. And I'll read the thread and be like, how the fuck did they draw that conclusion? Right, right. It, it, it's it's it, it, in the, the thing that I kind of close with that. And I've largely like abandoned doing anything like that because I, I think it's just career suicide and all kinds of other stuff. But the, I closed with this guy with like, hey, man, so now that you understand where I do sit within the spectrum, just put a little bit of thought about like how you were able to arrive at this other spot, like it's kind of a dangerous thing that that you had me pegged that wrong, you know, but it's, it's interesting. It's really interesting. It's going to be a fascinating, like 10 to 15 years to see how social media, this, um, this kind of, uh, virtue signaling stuff. It's going to be really, really interesting to see how it all plays out. We're chalked dead in the middle of it. Well, I mean, uh, but is it, I, uh, I always go back to this idea that uh, there will always be this kind of carved out alcove of people that, you know, I mean, adhere to a certain different mindset. I mean, I go back to, you know, Socrates that, you know, no man should ever not be able to see the the greatness of his body or or, you know, the uh, the fact that I remember one of my favorite things was, you know, how the Athenians used to hire the Spartan women to come raise their children because Athens had gotten soft and that they mm. wanted the Spartan culture uh, for their children so that their children could take that and become the leaders of like of Athens. And like, I've always thought that there's a place for individuals. Like I like to believe us, you know, and uh, I, I also had a pretty interesting, I, th- I forgot what ta- I was on Zach Ebenesh's podcast. And this guy wrote this whole thing that he had no concept that I was this existentialist, uh, you know, like intersective, you know, speaker and that, uh, you know, I'd had, you know, I was quoting Dovsieski's crime and punishment and kind of going on these things. And this guy's like, I had no concept of that, that you were, you know, and I'm like, have you ever listened to our podcast? Do you know anything about me? Like, it just was amazing that here, here we've had 300 podcasts and I've been doing this. I mean, been on your podcast, all these, and this guy's listening to Zach Evanesh's and had no concept that it starts with me. And that if I can, you know, formulate my own set of ideas, those are unique to me and and I don't have to run within, you know, the, I guess you could say within like the society norms, I have enough wherewithal to decide what lane I want to go in and don't get fucking pushed into it based off of all this other bullshit. And I'm like, isn't that what it's like, like you're letting society make uh, to dictate like all this other fucking noise, dictate your ideas. You don't have the ability to separate yourself and see the bigger picture. And, uh, you know, that just, 
fucking blows my mind. And I think there'll always be an alcove for people like us where it's like, Hey, you know what? Like, I'm not going to sell out. I'm not going to do this. I'm going to look at the information. I'm going to make my own decision and raise my children and be around the people I want to be in instead of like, Oh, this is what society's telling me to do. And I shouldn't do this because somebody's going to think this is wrong. No, I'm going to raise my son exactly like he should have been raised like in the 1950s, kind of like we were raised because I think that's how you raise boys. Uh, you know, like, um, you know, I constantly am running into the, you know, having, you know, for example, had a kid come over yesterday, 24, as I'm sitting there talking with him, like no direction in his life, you know, got to travel Europe and it's going through all these things. And I'm like, what are you gonna do to yourself? I don't know. I'll hang out with my mom until I can figure it out. And I'm thinking, fuck when I was 24, you know, and I hate doing that, but I'm like, dude, like, like there's a world out there for you to, you know, kick in the door and make yourself a part of it and carve yourself out. And it's easier if you start at 24 and not 44. And, uh, yes. you know, and but being able to explain that or raise your children to empower them to know that. And I think our kids are going to have a distinct advantage. So I'm kind of like, good, fucking be a you know limp dick vegan. And my kid won't be like that, hopefully. Right. I pray. Right. <laughs> it's all right though. I would be. I keep shot. telling Cashy, I'm like, hey, they're these good looking wolf girls. You have to go over there and meet them. <laughs> uh, the wolf wellborn families unite. Oh, the, I'd the be one, so happy. The, the one good thing is at least my, my girls are, are at least looking like they're going to be super, super tall. So it should work. So, well, uh, <laughs> dude, uh, yeah, uh, my daughter, or yeah, like my girls are abnormally tall too. Jamie is like a head taller than all the other kids. Now she's only seven, so they'll catch up. But I think she's got pretty good chance to be pretty tall, which is at the end of the day, like all Kate wanted. She's like, I just want to have really tall kids. You know, she's like, I hated being short. Thank God the kids won't be short. It's <laughs> great. So awesome. Arranged marriage. I'm in. I'm in. Done. Sealed. All right. Witness. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally the families fine will join. We're it, roughly it'll be great. 16 years away. I'll tell you why. Because uh, there's uh, as much as I love talking to Rob, I love talking shit to Rob's wife. <laughs> Nick, uh, I, I like, dude, I love battling Nikki. And, uh, you know, it's pretty funny. A lot of people think she's prickly. She's never been like that with me. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I don't know why for some reason, uh, people are like, ah, Nikki. I'm like, I think she's great. I think she's hilarious. We always have a great rapport and get to laugh and have fun. So I love, I love talking trash. Well, she's an Italian guy, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. And she's pretty feisty. Like I've heard her yeah, fucking that, call some people out. And yet oddly yeah. enough, it's not me. Uh-huh. She she does the locker room tell snap pretty good too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So cool. Rob, thanks a bunch for coming on, man. Yeah, always a pleasure, hey, man. Thank you. And uh, uh thanks for accommodating me uh shifting around the schedule about 18 times. So thanks for being uh generous. Well, you're a big that. diva. You know, you're, you're a big celebrity. We cater to <laughs> we cater to the divas. Yeah. You know, this whole thing was thank to arrange you. a marriage uh between the two families and we got what <laughs> we wanted. So, yeah, yeah. So we we, I don't see any other need for any future podcasts. But. <laughs> <laughs> or symposia. Exactly, exactly, yep. man. Right, hey, right. thanks again for everything, man. And thank you, Power Athlete Nation, for listening to another episode of the Premier Podcast in Strength and Conditioning. conditioning. All right, see you, Rob. See you, Robbie. Bye, you guys. Drop on, drop now it's time for you to empower your performance. Refer to robwolf.com for his latest podcasts and publications, including his recent conversation with Dr. Michael Rose, as discussed on this show. Hope everyone has a great weekend, and until next time, bye!